ladies and gentlemen. This segment is brought to you by Bullstrong. Bullstrong is an apparel company started by a good, close personal friend of mine named Bull. Now, I'm here to tell you about what Bullstrong really is. Bullstrong is a mentality. It's a belief that you can do anything. You've trained your mind as hard as you have your muscles. You believe in yourself and you know your own potential. You're the type of person who stands up for what you believe in. You do what you say and no one doubts it. To be truly bull strong, the word quit is not in your vocabulary. If you're listening to this and you instantly thought that fits your description, then support our brand. Proclaim to the world you are indeed bull strong. You can access Bull Strong on Facebook. Just go and search Bull Strong. He'll pop right up. You've got Bull Strong Apparel. It's bull-strongapparel.com. To put it simple, Bull Strong's a company that don't suck. And we are live. Are we live? We're kind of live. We're good to go. We're live. All right. All right. So we're sitting here in a undisclosed location. Um... <laughs> And uh, conveniently called the bunker, yeah, um, which yeah. I'm totally okay with. Um, I've you know lived in worse. I mean, I was in the Air Force, so not much worse, and not for very long. <laughs> and that was a really bad Hyatt that I was in. Um, but you know, we're sitting here with uh, Jacob. Jacob, God, I fucked that up. All right, so we're gonna start that over again. All yeah, right, I can edit all that shit out. Uh, so we're sitting here with Jacob um, in his bunker um, in an undisclosed location in Backwoods, Kentucky, in the United States of America, yeah. and. We're gonna we're gonna talk about some shit, man. So we'll start this off right with some uh, some good quality bourbon. This Calmet Ten Year. Oh, mm. tradition now, tradition. Okay. <laughs> so how do you feel about that? smooth it's nice stuff yeah um and that's out of my car where it was hot all day so um like it doesn't need ice it doesn't need anything else it's just something you can drink yeah and i can kind of drink that shit all day um for me i did a, a big segment on um with the bourbon brothers about you know they they do the tastings they do you know on the front end it, it's got this kind of feel to it it's got this burn and you know on the back side it's got this and they have all these terms that they use and i'm like so is it good or fuck right. I, I don't know. <laughs> so I did one, uh, my first and last one, and it was for Calumet Ten Year, mm-hmm. and it's because the first time I ever tried it, it reminded me of my mom. Oh wow! Um, it took me back to like when I was four years old. We were living in a trailer in Searchlight, Nevada, and it was like bam, and I was like I was there. I was like oh, and it kind of went away, and then I tasted it again. And it came back for a second, and yeah, it was, like it was gone, but it was like that old factory, you know memory that you just get and you're like man that's that was my childhood not that my mom was a lush and drank bourbon i don't know what it is about the combination that just made it happen and we didn't even have alcohol in the house most of the time so when that happened it was like oh shit what is this yeah get your hands on some yeah i gotta get this so i ended up with a couple of bottles or, or seven and we may or may not have drank a bunch of them while i was there anyway uh with my buddy jamie but uh this bottle here, actually, he gave me because we cracked that open that night. And this is the one I did the tasting out of. So now I'm going to carry it with me for all the podcasts. And we're all going to try it. That's and we're awesome. going to see how it goes. Um, and I've never found anybody that doesn't like it. So good on you. Heck yeah. Thanks for liking it. Uh, well, and uh, if you need ice, is it good bourbon? 
Ooh. In that case, I would just say uh, chill the bottle. Yeah. Don't put the ice in. You can add a little bit of water um, if you've got some like limestone water, which my friends in, in Georgia, they buy limestone water, and I just go, that's our water. That's just what we have because everything here is limestone anyway, so that's right. just water. Um, but they, they'll, use, they'll use the eyedroppers, and it, it does change the taste. But if you're putting a bunch of ice in the bourbon, no. Mix it with Coke, do something else. Um, I mean, you might as well just, just go ahead and ruin it. Right. Um, one of the guys down there, uh, we, we talked about it, and he mixed Pappy's with Coke. I was like, oh, shit. That seems like it's blasphemous. But the guy who distills Pappy's drinks it with Coke because he can. He's like, drink it however the fuck you want. Just buy it. That's all he cares about. So um, when we get into that kind of stuff, you know, of what's right and what's wrong with bourbon, there's really not a right or a wrong way. But just enjoy it. Oh, yeah. Try it straight first. Then experiment. You know, then get your own bottle. And then, hey, do I like it with Diet Coke? Do I like it with, with Straight On Coke? Do I like it with Mountain Dew? Do I like it with fucking Dr. Pepper? People drink weird shit. So try it and well, do it the way you want. To me... If you like it with anything else and can enjoy it, that's one thing. But if you still need to shoot it, do you even enjoy it or are you just trying to get drunk? You should be able, whatever you do, you should be able to sip on it and enjoy it without having to right, the, go down the hatch. The shooters to me are young kids trying to get drunk. That's really what it comes down to. It's people just drinking for the sake of drinking. Absolutely. Um, I prefer to have, you know, one and enjoy it and go, man, that was a really good bourbon. I don't get a big buzz off of it. I'm not going to sit here and be, like, hammered. But I feel a little bit better. Yeah. I'm like, my body's processing it. Okay. I feel it. I'm good. Then I can move on with my life. Because, I mean, if you're drinking, you know, Mountain Dew for the caffeine high, what are you really doing? Right. You know. So, to me, that kind of that kind of plays off of that, too. So, it kind of it kind of goes that way. But you've provided us an amazing little beverage here. Um, let's talk about this for a second. Where did you... Uh, what is this concoction... And where did you come up with it? So I actually, this isn't uh, a, my concoction. I can't take credit for anything about it. I saw on Facebook a uh, just a blurb that said, someone said to try jalapeno cucumber lemonade. So uh, I found a recipe, uh, eight lemons, two cups of sugar, eight cups of water. You, make, you squeeze your lemons, you make your lemonade, and uh, then you just chop up three jalapenos and a half of cucumber throw it in there and uh you uh taste it and when it gets to the right heat then you just go ahead and you pull the cucumbers and the jalapenos out mm. and so it'll just keep getting hotter and hotter over time but uh i'm willing to try just about anything with food and flavors and sometimes when you bring together two things like that that you wouldn't expect it but it, it ends up being really good and so i'm like, you know, I go out and squeeze a bunch of lemons to make this stuff, so I like it. At least you know where it comes from, so that's that's key. It's not out of a plastic bottle from the grocery store, so you know where it's from. Um, there's a lot of a lot of weird things that are out there. I think probably, like, my favorite food that I've ever tried of all time was uh, prosciutto melone. I had it <laughs> in Italy. And all it is, it's cantaloupe with prosciutto ham wrapped around it. And okay. you're thinking, ham and melon? Right. What? Like, who the, who the hell is eating this shit? It's one of the greatest things I've ever put in my face. Really? Uh, I mean, super good. The sweet plus the salty, <laughs> mm-hmm. it just, it works. Uh, the texture, the portion sizes, I mean, it just it just works. So if you can ever find some good prosciutto, which is really hard to do in Kentucky. I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. Um, you can sometimes find it, though. If you can get that with some ripe melon, 
do. There's nothing better. I'll go for it. You know what? I actually, my wife thinks I'm crazy. My favorite thing, I told her actually that I've ever put in my mouth was a prosciutto wrapped around a big green olive with feta cheese on the inside. Oh, yeah. Those are so good. That did it for That's, me, man. It's just like, their version of poppers. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Now, take um, some speck, which is like a thicker cut of prosciutto, mm-hmm. and wrap it around um, like those cheese sticks, like the mozzarella, like the Sargento cheese sticks. Yeah. Wrap it around there. Put a toothpick through it just so it'll stay, and put in a frying pan a little bit of olive oil, and just roll it back and forth until it starts to get a little crispy, and the cheese starts to kind of melt. Pull it off, set it on a napkin for two minutes, pop those, dude. Stupid good, yeah. So so good, and literally takes like four minutes to make. Your prep times two minutes, cook times two, and you're right. Done. Yeah, right. Um, super super good though. Uh, I found a lot of really good things that I like to eat in Italy. Oh yeah, like all their food. And over here, I was like, oh, Italian food. No, I don't like that. Because all we have here is fucking Olive Garden and this other, and Fajolis and fucking all this other crap. Well, have you been to Gino's? Gino's is blah. I mean, it's okay. It's good food. Right. But to call it Italian food? Well, it's not. Yeah. It just because doesn't, doesn't they're compare. Turks. So what brings me back about Gino's, the owner's Turkish, mm-hmm. from Germany... And so when I was stationed in Germany, we had Turkish food in Germany, and it's exactly like that. So it brings me right back their donor mm-hmm. with the tzatziki. If you haven't had their donor, you should probably have it. And then what they don't have is the traditional Turkish drink to drink with it, uh, Iron, mm-hmm. spelled Aryan, and it's a uh, yogurt and salt and water drink. Yeah. You put those two together, phew, Knock your socks off, man. It's good. I was stationed in Turkey for two years um, and got some really, really good food, some good some good donors. Um, and that's when I found out that there's so many Turks in Germany. I was like, oh, shit, there's a bunch of Turks up there. Oh, yeah. Because we were going there for TDYs and stuff. And so I went from Italy to Turkey and then by way of Germany every time I would travel. So it was, it was always fun. So let's talk a little bit about you, man. Who the fuck are you? Well, uh, I'm Jacob Peterson. And so uh, I do social media, Instagram, YouTube, The Preppers Bunker Outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, did four and a half years in the Army as an airborne infantryman. Uh, was always interested in survival, but when I got out, I started trying to really uh, pursue that and started this YouTube channel. Um, man, I do tactical bushcraft survival. Um, and uh, my concept of fitness and prepping... Uh, has led me to strongman stuff now. So, uh, you know, I do a little bit of everything um, through my YouTube channel and my on Instagram. But really it's about... Uh, the, the first thing that usually comes to mind, and rightly so, is uh, uh, douchebags with a bunch of money going and buying a bunch of dumb stuff and not doing the important stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a bunch of money... But uh, my focus has been uh, firearms training, even after the military, and I realized, for the most part, how terrible the military training was once I got private professional training uh, through tactical response and uh, DTI, Defense uh, uh, Something International, my brain, Defense Tactics International, with John Farnham. But uh, so firearms training and then survival and bushcraft stuff down at uh, Randall's Adventure Training in Alabama phenomenal people and uh doing the stuff myself 
and then um, my fitness path has taken me from traditional Olympic lifts and almost uh, bodybuilding style exercises, um, which I do not think were practical, into what is more practical for a prepper with the strongman style exercises. So basically, uh, as a prepper, I'm trying to do all the things that a prepper should be doing. All of, not necessarily blowing all the money, but spending the time and doing the work that people don't want to do to be a more rounded and uh, more valuable person. Right. So when you when you think strongman, you're not thinking giant dudes carrying boulders. You're thinking functional fitness. Absolutely. Um, I can't help. Well, you know, I do think giant men carrying boulders to some degree because I enjoy watching the strongman competitions, and I have since a I was a little kid. Mm -hmm. But what struck me is that carrying boulders and pulling weight and picking things up off of the ground is functional strength. So in the military, if somebody's injured and I can't fireman carry or drag them out while, uh, while in contact, but I can bench a thousand pounds, what good am I? Well, hopefully if you could bench a thousand pounds, you're able to pick up a body. Most um, likely, but how long can I take it too? Well, so, that's, that's really going to depend. Um, I know a lot of guys are still in that are using strongman, and they're able to to cross that over much better than the guys that I knew they were big benchers. Well, and that's what I'm saying is yeah. uh, the functional strength that it directly uh, correlates with combat and survival tasks that mm -hmm. would be physically demanding. Pulling someone out of a house in an emergency, an emergency preppers, uh, a lot of them are weird. They have their own weird ideas of what an emergency is. Mm -hmm. But let's look at real emergencies. Someone's house is on fire. We've got uh, freaking tornadoes around here, um, tsunamis, whatever, all kinds of crap. Earthquakes are imminent. Earthquakes. Floods are possible. Um, and all of those things require potentially movement, potentially fast movement, and while carrying, dragging, pulling, something, mm -hmm. right? And then when you go into what is more of a fantastical prepper mindset with the combat in an emergency, what are you going to be doing? Sprinting, shooting, and pulling or dragging, mm -hmm. and lifting your own body. So uh, I was chasing numbers with iron on traditional movements, and when I incorporated that with my PT in the Army with a lot of running and pull-ups and, and more functional stuff, it worked really well for me. When I got out and realized that I wasn't going to run under my own motivation as much as I did in the Army, or hardly at all. Yeah, because running sucks. Then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> then all of the stuff I was doing with weights, I'd go out and get gassed and realize that a lot of it was worthless. Mm -hmm. So it took me to Strongman because it, it just makes sense. It's uh, uh, like CrossFit for men. Yeah, um, we have we have some CrossFitters that you know listen to uh, listen to the podcast, and this is going to be our first you know actual video cast. Um, so we've done you know we got ten episodes under, and now we're starting to get into the the YouTube world. So we have some CrossFitters that are fans. Um, I don't begrudge them, but I don't like the way their organization works. Um, they're all about just being the coolest one that works out the most, and I'm like, guys, let's do something real. 
You right. Know, let's actually put something on there. Could I go make it through a CrossFit workout? Probably. But do I want to? Fuck no. no. Like, absolutely not. Um, I'd rather do something that's just a little bit more fun. I go do these workouts with uh, a good friend of mine, um, well, friends, uh, Pat and Kareen Rogers out in Virginia. Every time I'm over there, I make sure that I stay up for the weekend. I stay at their house. Uh, their daughter has joined the Navy, so I sleep in her room. So it's always a plus for me. I have place to go. And on Sunday mornings, they go do this thing called a... He hasn't quite phrased it exact, but the latest thing has been Strongman 5K. The way it started, this last workout that we did, um, it's a 150-pound sandbag for a half mile. You cool. carry it around a loop. It's a loop that goes around a school. Then when you're done with that, you've got a farmer's carry that's a truck tire, but it's the 24-and-a-half-inch, not the 22s. So right. a little bit bigger. You know, it's about 130 pounds or so. So it's not bad, but it's enough because the grip is a half-inch piece of PVC, mm-hmm. and it spins. Mm. So you have to have some grip. Your traps will hurt. Everything hurts. And you're standing inside of this tire, so you can't take big strides because right. you're going to hit the tire. So then the next thing we do is a wheelbarrow. And he built a rack that goes in it kind of like this table here where you set 45-pound plates in it, and it's all back on the handles. Mm-hmm. So all your weight is in your hands, and you still got that one wheel up front. So you're still having to engage the core. And it was just wide enough that I couldn't even put my thumbs over. So I had to go suicide grip on the whole thing for a half a mile. Then the last thing, um, let's see... The sandbag, the tire, that carry. There was one more thing that we had to do, and it was insanity. Um, oh Lord, what was that? What was the fourth thing? It'll come to me. But essentially, it was two miles of just carrying weight. stupid heavy shit. Oh, a drag tire. Yeah. So you put a weight belt on, and you hook that same size tire of 100, 100 or so pounds behind you, and you drag it on the ground. For a half mile. Mm. And now you want to talk about some posterior chain that is just lit. At the end of that, everything from the top of my head down to the bottom of my feet on the backside just hurt. Yeah. For three days, I was walking funny. I was like, man. But if you've got to move, if you've got, you know, your base of defense, being a prepper, and that's, that's where you're at, and you're, man, oh, shit, we got to go. Well, you have to move all your shit. Yeah. You could have a couple thousand pounds of stuff that you've got to move a half mile down the road. You can be able to do it by yourself. Are you going to have enough friends? Are there gonna, is there going to be anybody there to help you at all? And the whole time you're doing it, you're going to have to carry one of these bad boys behind you because, hey, somebody might be trying to kill you. Right. It is possible. I mean, the whole, kind of the whole essence behind the preppers thing is worst case scenario, right? Yeah. That's is that. Do you guys live your life the whole time like that, or you're just ready for when it could happen? I wish. You wish it would happen? No, I wish I could live my time like that the whole time. Hmm. Uh, you know, uh, every day. I carry a, a fighting pistol, two mm-hmm. mags, tourniquet, uh, knife, phone, fighting flashlight. And uh, the reason that I do that is because I have a responsibility as a husband and a father to make sure that I can continue to be there for my family. So mm-hmm. I see it as my responsibility to ensure that in the case of an emergency, I can protect myself because I have to be there for my family. And obviously, I'm, if I'm there with my family, then defend my family. Uh, and so I think being a prepper and having it part of your life, enough of it bleeds over that you do do things that people would think are extreme. Mm -hmm. But when it comes, if you're a prepper who's really working at, uh, doing things right, I don't think that you can be fully prepared as much as you'd want every day. Um, you know, it's, and 
I wouldn't say it's a sacrifice. Uh, there are people out there who live for the prep and who sacrifice their lives for the prep. And, uh, and, and that's not necessary, but if you're going to do something other than be your random livestock human being walking around, you're going to have to do things that are a little bit more uncomfortable. You can't wear freaking yoga pants every day. You know what I mean? Whoa, so. whoa, whoa, whoa. You mean I can't wear my yoga pants? Right. Bro. Men's yoga pants. Dude, they have those like with gun holsters in, built into them. Yeah, I mean, they do. So what, can I wear those? Can those be okay? Or do I have to just cut out all yoga pants? I mean, you could do it. Because, bro, I'm pro yoga pants. Yeah. Especially on women. But, mostly yeah. Mostly on women. <laughs> yeah, mostly. Uh, but where you can put the tourniquet, though? I mean, th- there's a pocket for that. If you got the pockets for it, man. I mean, a tourniquet's not that big. I mean, we're talking one strap and, what, a bar? And that's it? It depends on the tourniquet. I mean, I've seen the I've seen the little the combat ones. The ones that we had were, I mean, a little bit bigger than a pen. Cats? Bigger than a pen. That's pretty small. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't very big. A little rod, about about that long. Or yeah, so. the the rod's about a pen, and then you've got a strap and some Velcro. Normal yeah. cats, and that just went like around it. So all you had to do just like pull on one in and then straighten it out, mm-hmm. and it was good. Yep. It already was connected in the middle, and you just loop it, and then the little Velcro thing, and you're done. Wham bam, thank you, ma'am. Yeah, and if not, I mean, I have a grip six belt on me all the time. That will always work too, because yeah. there's no holes, there's nothing you have to do. You just put it on, and then it's tight. It's good. There you go. Um, and it goes to any length. And because I'm a fat guy, I have way more material than you would need. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, but the thing is, most people that are doing the yoga pants are just doing yoga pants. So when you get this, the fancy yoga pants that have got all that business on them, uh, you know, it's a lot more expensive. Mm-hmm. And so people aren't willing to sacrifice anything, whether it be comfort, cost, they're not willing to do anything for any level of preparedness whatsoever, and they justify it because it's comfortable and nothing's happened to me yet. Uh, I had a school shooting my sophomore year, and it was funny because I, since... Where did you go to school at? Uh, that was Washington State Henry Foss High School in Tacoma. You were in Tacoma? Yeah. I was stationed at uh, Lewis. McCord. Oh, McCord, yep. I was in the Air, Air Force. Force. I was on the yeah. better side. So, so you're McCord. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, yeah, so that was 2007. It was a pretty big deal back then, mm-hmm. and uh, it's funny. Everybody's argument against gun rights was, well, how many times have you seen a shooting? And, uh, you know, after the shooting, the argument didn't really change. But at Henry Foss High School, they said, every day is a great day when you can say, I'm a Henry Foss Falcon. And after the shooting... Uh, they said it's up to you to make sure that every day is a great day as a uh, as a Henry Foss Falcon, I believe it was. They, mm-hmm. they changed that up a little bit. But, uh, but people didn't change their, their narrative or their... And I was like, we, 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 we just saw this dude get shot. I mean, the, the shooter was in my PE class. Yeah. And... Uh, but people don't want to believe it, and that's the thing. Uh, if you believe it and accept it, you have to take responsibility for it. People don't want responsibility. Yeah, accountability is something nobody nobody really wants. They don't want to have to deal with. They don't want to be held to that level of being responsible for somebody else's life or even their own and to think, well, this, this could happen. Well, it's never happened before, so why would it happen now? So with that going on, you know, for you being in high school at the time and in Tacoma, which, I mean, really is a super left, super liberal place. 
but there's a ton of hippies. And sometimes for me, and this is just me looking from the outside in, and I don't want to sound ignorant on the, on the subject at all, but I, I really am. Preppers and hippies sometimes to me cross over in like the same realm. Not for craziness, but just live off the land. Don't need people. Don't need society telling me what to do. I want to just kind of do my own thing. Leave me alone. Yeah. Well, what? they both follow fall under a, a concept of liberty. Mm-hmm. Um, and but you can't really say to to what degree because you have preppers that are straight up communists and you have hippies that are straight up communists and you've got full anarchists on both sides too. So, um, but they want to do what they want to do, whether or not they want their neighbor to do what they want to do is is where that gets sticky. Yeah. I think that's true for just about every political spectrum though is everybody wants to do what they want to do, it's their neighbor that they're worried about. Yeah, and I really think we should stop worrying about our neighbor. Just stop telling them what to do. I have eight neighbors in my building and I really don't give a fuck what they do as long as they don't park in my parking spot or inhibit my life. Yeah, exactly. You know, if my neighbor that- upstairs is stomping too much, I'm gonna be like, Hey man, I'm gonna need you to stop stomping. Yeah, that's that's bugging me. But if it's like twice, I don't give a fuck. Right. Uh, plays the music a little bit loud. Hey, he's having a party. Cool. If it goes on for six hours straight and I'm trying to sleep, you're gonna get a knock. Right. But otherwise, I really don't give a fuck what they do. I don't care what religion they are. I don't care what food they eat. I don't. God, I don't, God just don't give a shit. Right. And it's not that I don't love my neighbors because I do. I want them to be well. But you want them to have. You see, if you love liberty for yourself, you can respect other people's liberty if you're a, a halfway decent and logical human being. And But most people don't bring logical thought into it. They want to do what they want to do, but if they're uncomfortable with what someone else is doing, they want them to stop. Right. So they don't, they don't, they can't. Uh, a philosopher said that adulthood starts when you can self-actualize. I don't remember which philosopher it was, but today, the amount of people that you can find that can self-actualize, it's, it's almost non-existent. Well, that philosopher has to predate, like, Maslow, who says you're, you're seven, your seven needs that you have, and the top one is self-actualization. Once you reach that, then you have actually reached a, a different level in our society, um, a different level of self. So to reach self-actualization, most people just can't fathom that they can't get to that level they can't get to that point so more than likely i would say that philosopher predates maslow and the hierarchy of needs um but i mean we got to find it we got to research it i wish i could remember who it was that's what google's for man we always have google my phone's a little preoccupied at the moment but you know it's okay um but you know we we can we can always figure that shit out so with preppers how much of this shit's crazy like i i I just gotta ask for real how much of it is just people that are fucking insane and how much of it is like people that are legit and just worried about their way of life you know it kind of sucks to answer that since i i put myself up as a prepper Mm -hmm. but if you put me into a building with the hundred people that live closest to me that call themselves preppers it you know, I would say you've got probably a 90% bat freaking crap crazy ratio. Really? And it and it's sad because um, 
everybody handles the concept of prepping in their own way. Some people, their idea of prepping is like growing and, and storing and preserving as much marijuana as they possibly can because when stuff falls apart, they not only want to be able to remain high, but also to sell weed. But they have no guns, and they don't believe in any type of violence. Well, if you're sitting on a stash of a million pounds of freaking marijuana, and people don't have marijuana, and, and people find out about it, and you're selling it and stuff, and they figure out that you're a soft target, you're going to die. Yeah. So, so um, And that goes before anything like goes down. That could just be tomorrow. Right. Oh, absolutely. 100%. They're, they're prepping for their own demise, it sounds like. Like, you have to be ready for certain things. For me, prepping is, hey, man, there's a snowstorm coming. Do I have enough for three days? Yeah, I'm probably good. Do I want to go buy milk and bread? No, because there ain't none. Right. So, pretty sure I got what I need in my cupboard. Well, I feel, okay. like, I feel like if you I, have I prep a family. I like small situations. Yeah. Well, and that's because, realistic. Yeah. I feel like if you have a family that you should strive to have a week's worth of food and water. Yeah. And if you don't have a week's worth of food and water, what the fuck are you doing with your house? Yeah, but most people don't. How can you not? I mean, it's not it's not a lot. That's I mean, you've got how many people in your family? You got three? You got yeah. one kid, two kids. One kid. One kid. So there's three of you. This kid on solid foods. No. No. So you need enough formula for seven days. Not well, that, not that much. I don't have to worry about that. So. Well, there's that part of it, but I mean, in a year, you'll need whatever. We've you got, know, we've got some baby food. Yeah, and you uh, need that week's worth. And then for you and wife, I mean, if you have seven MREs, you're good. Yeah, not comfortable, but good. No, but you'll survive. You won't right. starve. Well, well, you and you can go forty days without eating, and yeah. live. Uh, you can't go that long without water, though. I'm pretty sure I could go longer without eating than you can. You're closer to starvation than I <laughs> <laughs> I could probably go 40, 45 days, no problem. You might last like two weeks. Right. We got we to gotta uh, increase that fat content, bro. <laughs> so, well, you know, I've, I've got more than I'd like to have, but I don't, I don't have the good fat content. I have the I'm freaking broken fat content. So, <laughs> But we're working on it with, with the strongman stuff. Right. Uh, so, so... Without your refrigerator, a week's worth of food and water for your mm -hmm. family. Uh, one thing that people don't think about is hand tools. In any, almost any kind of emergency that is a week long that you can think of, you're probably going to need a hand tool. Shovel, mm -hmm. axe, basic, basic stuff, right? Yep. And most people don't have any of them. Right. And if they do, they have bottom-of-the-barrel garbage, and it's going to break as soon as they use it and... And they've never used it anyway, so they don't know how to use it. I actually have to do a YouTube video about the basics of how to use an axe because I've actually come to realize that probably 80% of the people that I've seen using an axe don't even understand the absolute foundational basics. Something I would probably throw into that video, too, is a storage of said axe. Yeah. Leaving it into a tree is not a good place to store it. Nope. Uh, you know, you, you want that blade to remain sharp. You mm -hmm. want it to stay clean. You don't want it to be covered in rust. Um, you don't want it to be packed with dirt. You don't want it to be wet because right. the handle can break. And I, if I look up here, careful. Oh, that's that's a uh, <gasps> prop. Oh. oh, that was the prop? That was what's kind of holding that. Uh, holding that up, I see. A little okay. bit steady. Uh, Man, right. that was a great catch. That's okay. a broken, yeah, but that's a broken handle. That, uh, a broken head handle axe is over here. Yeah, and that part of the shot. Um, yeah, <laughs> but it's it's a broken handle, and yeah. that comes from 
you know, not store that properly, or it's 150 years old. I mean, either way. Um, but, you know, buy something with a good composite handle. Something that's not going to break easy. Something that's not going to snap. Well, especially if you if you don't know about axes. Mm-hmm. So I'm in a group called Axe Junkies. Okay. On Facebook. Right. And they uh, restore axes. And what I've realized is the art of even choosing, not even fitting, choosing a good handle is lost. Knowing what to look for in a good wooden handle. Because you can take a bad wooden handle out and go take one swing and break the axe if you have grain run out, for instance. Yeah. And, uh, but if you don't know anything about an axe handle, then yeah, you need to get a composite handle. And if you have a wood handle, you need to take care of it for some degree. And if you leave your axe with a wood handle outside, you will ruin it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's just... Uh, manual labor is, is becoming a lost art. It really is, because uh, nobody really wants to do any kind of, I mean, I'm trying to get out of it all the time. Uh, <laughs> it never happens. I mean, I work 12 to 18 hours a day, fucking every day. Right. Um, I don't have to, but I do. Right. Because I, I have to work. I don't have to for money-wise, but just... That's who you are. I, I, man, I've got to work. I, I sat at home for a little over a month this year, and it about drove me insane. Like, I stopped sleeping, I stopped functioning, like, just... Shit didn't work. And I was trying everything. I was, I did everything except for, like, go to the bottom of the bottle on booze. But, I mean, I was killing NyQuil and Benadryl and sleep aids and, you know, whatever else I could do to go to sleep. And I would just sit there. I'm like, fuck. Then I found out if I go back to work and I just punish myself all day long, I sleep like a baby. So you've got to be doing something. You cannot just sit around and wait for the world to happen. Yeah. Um, of course, I lost my mom this year. It was it was a rough time. I was going through a really terrible fucking breakup and all sorts of shit. So it was a lot of extra stress I didn't really want to deal with, um, but I ended up getting through it. I dealt with it. So, well, the hardest way to deal with something like that is to sit and not do something. Yeah, being busy definitely helped my mind clear out a lot more, and that kind of brought me to where I do the podcast. You know, because I started driving, and I started listening to a lot of podcasts. I mean, a lot, because I was driving eighteen hours a day. So what else are you gonna do? Listen to the same seven songs on the fucking radio? No, I'm good. So. I had a, a talk with a good friend. He's like, man, we need a... It said maximum file size reached. Okay, so hit stop and then hit record again. And starting. All right, and we're back. So we'll we'll edit that out for the YouTubes. We'll put a cool transition in there. Or there you go. Like, ah, yeah. Some explosion or some fireball that comes out of the flag or some shit. Be good. But uh, now going back to what I'm saying, um, and I've... So, oh, the podcast, yeah. We'll edit all this shit out, too. I got a lot of work ahead of me. So, with the podcast and listening to him, I was like, man, I, I can fucking do that. He's just sitting there talking to people. And for the majority of the ones that I would listen to, like Michael Rosenbaum has a really good podcast. Uh, he's the guy who played Lex Luthor on Smallville. Yeah. So, you you grew up at that time, so that was a show that was on. It was a big deal. He was Lex. Uh, he's got a great podcast that's out. And his is like therapy. That's what he does for him and his guests. It's therapy for him, therapy for them. And I'm wow. like, oh, that's kind of a cool concept. I like yeah. it. And then, of course, you know, Joe Rogan being the... Podcast I mean, standard. He is the gold standard. I mean, yeah. if you can do a podcast the way that he does, that is structured but unstructured, and just have a fucking good time and not care about what anybody thinks and just do what you want, that's the ultimate goal. The fact that he has millions and millions of followers and viewership and all the money that he gets off of it, it's a super good bonus. But otherwise, he's doing what he loves to do. 
And that's what I wanted. Yeah. I wanted to go travel to places and talk to my friends and family, meet new friends, new family, and, you know, just have a really good time with it. So I've been doing a lot of stuff that's local, but, you know, I've had, like, Jessica Kite on. Uh, she just took uh, third at Strongest Woman in the World for Lightweights. Um, she's a fantastic person, her and her husband slash wife, so if she listens to this one. Um, you know, they're just great people, man. And then talking with Bull and Chad Clark and everybody else that I've dealt with on the podcast, they're just great people. Right. And they really don't have time for negative, shitty people. I just don't. I want, you know, people that, that are here to live. And all of my friends and family are all all about living. Yeah. They're all about doing it to the absolute fullest, you know. So when I told them about my trip, upcoming trip to Iceland, they're like, fuck yeah, dude, you need to go. Yeah. They're like, I'm jealous. How do you afford it? And I was like, well, the ticket was like 400 bucks. They're like, what? I told you that a few yeah. minutes ago. And yeah. you were like, oh, each way? I was like, no. Round trip, 400 bucks. What? And that's for like a week. I leave on a Tuesday and I come back on a Tuesday. So if you fly like some different times, you can find some better rates. But, dude, it's going to be great. Oh, absolutely. You know, a week with all my other friends well, from around you, the world. You've been all over the world mm-hmm. doing strongman stuff. Uh, there's, there's something to be said when you meet a person who has experienced a lot of things and been to a lot of places. Uh, it's just different than someone who's lived in their own town their whole life. And I'm not saying living in your own town for your whole life is a bad thing, but it's different. It really is. Um, when I left he, you know, Emmett's County at 18, I was like, you know, I want to go travel. I want to see the world. I want to fly. And I want to you know, do cool stuff. And the Air Force permitted me to do that for a really, really long time. Um, I did 12 years, and it was fantastic until the last like year and a half. Mm-hmm. Then it just sucked. And then it became a, a military that wasn't a military anymore. It became a job. Yeah. And I was like, oh, can't do it. And everybody tells me, they're like, oh, why didn't you just stay the extra eight years for that retirement? And I'm like, I probably would have fucking killed somebody. Well, the military doesn't get retirement anymore. What? Yeah, that changed. Now they do it on like a 401k system, I think. I heard they were talking about that. No, nope, I've, I've still did. got friends that are in that still have their their only if their you're twenty in year pension. for a certain amount of time before that. So like Josh here, he has to pay into his retirement. It's pulled out of his paycheck every month. The benefit to that is if you get out in four years, you have something put aside. Yeah. But it's not like their pay went up that much. No, they're just like, how much do you pay every month? At least. 150 bucks a month they take out of your paycheck at least and they're like oh that's your retirement you paid for it that pisses me off i'm gonna be honest yeah they could just up your pay 150 then just take it out you never see it right that would be much better um but, but they're no, not gonna up your pay 150 though they should really the military does not get paid enough um i know some that are making like some good money i've got several friends that are going to be on the podcast later uh next week we'll have um matt a really good buddy of mine he's an air force chief so he's making good money. He's fine, but right. he's, he's a chief. Um, but he's looking forward to retirement. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll be glad. It'll be it'll be good when it when it happens. And I got some other friends came in with me at the same time that I came in, and they're coming to that window. They're getting close to that, and they still have the retirement. So it must be the new thing that they're doing. It is. But I know they were talking about that shit when I was in, and I was like, that's going to be fucking terrible. As soon as that like implements, nobody's going to stay for twenty anymore. Well, and that, it's already been implemented, So, but you can get, like I said, you can get grandfather clause. Mm-hmm. Now, my uh, buddy was National Guard 
and their whole retirement system worked different, mm-hmm. but he just got booted. Yeah. From that, so now he's paying into a retirement, as I understand it. So, that that's kind of crap. That's kind of crappy. That's kind of crappy. Yeah, they really they really don't they don't treat their their airmen, their soldiers, their marines, and their their seamen very well. No, uh, they just don't. Uh, if they work you to death, it's it's a it's a zero fail type of operation. So they make you do more with less all the time, and you never have a chance to try to catch up, and then that becomes the norm. So whereas like where I was, we'd have a shop of twelve guys. Twelve guys would go do the work because by the book, twelve guys was needed to do this job. Well, you guys can do it with ten for this next six months because we just don't have the manpower, we can't do it. Alright. Yeah. Well don't fucking fail, because if you do, heads will roll. So we do it, we do a stellar job, we do it with ten. The next six months, alright guys, you've been doing great with ten. I know it's been I know it's been tough on you, but you gotta do it with eight. You gotta yep. do it with eight. We gotta lose two more guys. It, it's just gonna happen. And this this process fucking repeats until you're down to like three four people right running an entire like aerial port for us. Well, and and, and the and whole system collapses. You you then you get a DMV and it's in an ineptocracy. Mm-hmm. So people are promoted past their capacity, and once you've gotten one level beyond what you're capable of, then you sit there, right? But everybody is one level above what they're capable of. You know, and so I can't tell you all the best soldiers that I knew got out, went SF, or changed uh, branches and did something completely different and eventually went to uh, the officer side of things. Uh, But not a single one of the soldiers that I really looked up to and thought was a really high-speed, internally motivated person stayed regular army. And what that left you with was all the dirt bags that you thought were going to get chaptered out a long time ago or thought were never going to get make it past specialist or E5 because they were going to time out or whatever. And, uh, and it's, at that point when the Army needs you, they just push you along. And uh, it's, it's a bad deal. Uh, the, the time that I spent with high-speed leadership was incredible. I learned more under them and with a good team in about six months i did in the the other four years that i was in uh because i was in four and a half and and that includes my deployment and a lot of what i learned on my deployment was was just learning through being there and everything where'd you get sent afghanistan which which base i was at uh fob altimer over by shank okay so i was in uh logar province uh, capital's Poli Alam, so I was south of Poli Alam. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I did a small stint in Kandahar. Okay, so, yep. And promoted a strongman show there. Yeah, so. I actually saw that. Oh, you saw that one? I think. I saw maybe pictures? Probably pictures, but it was in 2007. Was that with where with the uh, the four, the quads, the two quads, those yep. pictures? absolutely. Yep. That's yep. what I saw. Yeah, that was, a, that was a fun, fun contest. It was thrown together by me. I had no welder, no metal. Uh, I built everything out of wood, um, and I would just get them from CE, you know, civil engineering. I'd be like, hey, I need some screws and some wood for a self-help project. They're like, what are you building? I'm like, this. They're like, the fuck is that? Right. I'm like, it's something I need. Give me the wood. <laughs> cool. So the next shipment that you guys have coming in, you can pick it up early from the yard. I get this. You get that. Everybody wins. 
Um, and that's what we did is we took care of them the best way that we could and they took care of us. But no, that show was like nine events, two days, 17 different countries in Kandahar um, as far as coalition forces when I was there. There was 3,000 people in attendance over the course of two days. Wow. It was an amazing show because that's all there was to do there. Right. But getting people to sign up was fucking tough because they were like, oh, I can't do that. Why not? Fuck, we got weight classes. And at the time, there was two weight classes, heavyweight, lightweight. You were either above 230 or you were below 230, and that was it. So the heavyweight class was kind of smaller. It was only like 10 guys. Um, I ended up winning mostly because the majority of my time that I was there, I was working. If I wasn't working, I was building and testing equipment. All that time testing equipment made me better at it. Right. It made me stronger. It made me just move better. And I was out there next to the, the runway putting shit together. Right. Like, literally, there was the, 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 the red line, and then there was me screwing shit together. And I hear a jet go by, like, oh, God, it's fucking loud. <laughs> okay. And then I go back to hammering or drilling or whatever else that I'm doing. And that was a really, really fun contest. And we did it at night because it was a cool 95 degrees instead of a hot 120 during the day. And we didn't want guys to die. Right. So, But we did it at, you know, a, a cool 95. So it was good. And it took us two days to do it. And it was it was fantastic, man. And the last that I heard, they were still doing something similar in Kandahar every year since then. That's awesome. Because uh, I left all that equipment there. I didn't. I brought my yoke back because it, it fit on a baggage pallet. <laughs> Magically. <laughs> the worst part about Afghanistan, besides, like, say, Kuwait... Afghanistan was probably both the hottest and the coldest. Well, no, I did Fairbanks, Alaska. But, I mean, just extreme weather changes. And, mm-hmm. man, it's, I, if I freaking lived in Afghanistan, I'd be like, I'm packing up a backpack and I'm walking until I get to somewhere that sucks less than here. You got to go really far to the west, like Europe. <laughs> <laughs> before it stops sucking. You really do. You could maybe get into, like, Turkey. Turkey's weather was fun. It was was all right. It was hot as fuck, but it was not nearly as bad as Afghanistan was. Just got to keep going to Scandinavia, man. You just keep going? Just keep going. Up and to the left. Up and to the left. Just um, keep walking. I did Kyrgyzstan, too, which is just north of Afghanistan. Kyrgyzstan gets so cold. It was Oh, my stupid gosh. Cold. But it was never as cold there as what I had in South Korea. South Korea, the wind... I would be downtown, hammered off off my ass. And, you know, when you're drunk, you don't really feel cold. And I would be bundled up, man. I'd have, like, my polypros, my pants, set of coveralls, two or three T-shirts, polypro on top of that. And I, I was bundled up. Right. I was good. And it felt like I was standing there fucking naked, like just dick in the wind. That It cut through you so hard with Gore-Tex, with whatever you had. It did not matter what you were wearing. It was just stupid cold. Um, and for, for for whatever reason, Korea, to me, was colder than Kyrgyzstan was. And I was in Kyrgyzstan in February. So you would think it would be colder, but I guess the snow gave us some insulation. And it wasn't really that bad. You know, when I was sitting in a 60K, as long as it had fuel in the heater, I was good. Right. But, you know, that walk back to the room, I was a little chilly. That walk to the shower was a little chilly. But, I mean, those tents stayed warm. And they they did fine. You know, our water never froze. We never had any of those, those kind of issues. Uh, it was all put together well, so I didn't have a problem with it. But Korea, dude, everything froze up in Korea. Anytime I hear about Korea or look at Korea, I feel so bad for the Korean vets. Like the Korean War vets? 
Yeah, those guys got shit on a lot. I mean, oh my gosh. Fighting over there, that, God, that would be terrible. Just. And the conditions in the 50s? Dude. With, yeah. With K-rations that were, like, molded and nasty. And, and, and freaking cold weather gear that's made out of waxed canvas. Yeah, that was some good stuff, wasn't it? That was that was awesome. Dude, the so. The stuff that we had was, was really nice, but they make better shit now. And even even with the good stuff that we had, and I mean, we had like real tree and some other stuff we would shove underneath of our clothes, but never, never to the degree that what like the guys from the Korean War, or the Vietnam War, or even Desert Storm had to put up with. Well, you see, in, in the Army, you don't get to use cold weather gear as an infantryman most of the time. So you're going out on patrol, you're going out on a walk, mm-hmm. it's snowing, freezing, sideways wind. You're not wearing a waffle top, are you? You're not, you, you're, you better fix yourself because you're going to sweat on patrol. Yeah, God forbid you sweat. So, uh, so you know, you'd be running uh, a patrol with just your base uniform, essentially, and you'd have some snivel gear in your pack for when you sleep, mm-hmm. but uh, it's pretty stupid, pretty dumb. Yeah, but again, they don't. They want a certain kind of person in the military. It's not me. But it's not you anymore. No. They want a certain size, a certain type, a certain kind. Well, that's the problem more so for you than for me. I don't fit in the modular sleep system. Mm-hmm. So I don't really have room to spread out or curl up, but my head and my toes push out the ends, and there goes your insulation. Yep. So, uh, and I'm, you have that problem worse than me. Now in the Air Force, you might not have been sleeping out in the weather as much but no uh, ours was hey man you left the window open at the hilton what the hell it was a little <laughs> chilly the wi-fi didn't work what the fuck <laughs> yeah man i tell you what i was uh, up on an op an observation post at one point and uh you'd get maybe four hours to sleep a night when you weren't on guard we're up on this mountain and it was just raining like crazy and i was so exhausted when i sleep uh, uh zipped up the bivy i thought this feels like it's on the wrong side and then I passed out. Well, the bivy was upside down, so all the water went into the bivy. And I woke up, and I thought I was going to die. Uh, I went over and cuddled with my buddy, who had the same problem. We're both soaking wet. And I thought, if something doesn't seriously happen to us, it will be a miracle. And uh, the human body can go through an incredible amount, probably especially you when you're young. But... Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, that was that was just that was so cold. I can't believe it, and just soaking wet. Yeah, wet and cold is never a good way to go. So I try to avoid that shit now because I don't have to. Yeah. And if it's gonna be cold and wet out, I'm, I'm gonna stay the fuck home. You see, yeah. and now I've tried to do the survival stuff, and and that's the times when I tried to get out. But yeah, I'm not trying to do that. Fuck that. It sucks. Mm-mm. Well, but any anything, depending on what you're into, though, anything that's gonna make you better, sucks. That's true, yeah. You have to enjoy the suck. So, as a strong man, if you're going to get better at lifting, it's going to suck. It's going to hurt, right? If you want to be a better survivalist, it's going to suck. If you want to be a better shooter, it's still going to suck. Different way. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I did my first day at Tactical Response. I think the only guy, by the way, with a 1911 running 45 ACP at the time before I... Got educated. 
the hard way because I took multiple classes before I accepted that it was dumb. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, it's cool, but it's dumb. Hand was like bleeding. Yeah. And bruised mm-hmm. in the first day of class, first to five. And, uh, you know, I made a dumb decision and I had to deal with a dumb decision. I also rode a Honda Grom. You know what that is? Grom. What's the Grom? It's 125 cc's, like a little pit bike, like yeah. a little children's bike, basically. It's street legal. I rode a Honda Grom, I think, with 180 pounds of ammo and gear on the back of it, all the way out to Camden. So it was about... I Why think, would you do such a thing? That's what I had. And I wanted to go train. You have so, some shitty friends, man. <laughs> you need better friends. Hey, man, I need a car. <laughs> like, <laughs> something with heat and air. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, it rained, too. It was brutal, man. Rear suspension was bottomed out the whole trip. Yeah, because you had a shit way outweighed. You yeah, had basically had, me on there. I had a full... Uh, uh, 50-round ammo can of 45 ACP loose, not in boxes, filled to the top. And then I had a small ammo can filled loose with 45 ACP on the back. And uh, and then my backpack with all of my sleeping gear and stuff. And and uh, I have a 12-bar. A, a mm-hmm. It's a wheelie bar kind of out the back. So when you go straight up and down, you don't continue to go over and bust all your stuff up. But uh had that 12-bar loaded up with ratchet straps out to the very tip of it. With stuff, there just was no room. But anyways, I don't remember how we well, got It's good to know you have a car now, so you're okay. Well, you know. so I had my truck then, too. I might have been down. But, uh, you know, the Grom, it gets about 80 miles to the gallon. It's really cheap. Mm-hmm. So I try to ride it as much as I can. But I've, I've calmed down on that a little bit. I'm going yeah. to be honest. I probably would, too, because... And fuck that. I've done I mean, too much sucking on a motorcycle, man. I have a bike. I've ridden the shit out of it. And uh, I've done some cold rides that I shouldn't have. But, you know, when it comes to putting yourself out there in the elements, there just has to be a limit of what you should and shouldn't do. And that, you shouldn't do. You just shouldn't do it. I did uh, Colleen, Texas to Clarksville, Tennessee, uh, 1,300 miles in a rainstorm and uh rainstorm the entire way just a like when i was riding around in Colleen, texas the roads don't drain very well so my feet were dragging through the water because it was flooding and so i had to do it one day because i didn't get a pass and uh since i didn't get a pass i couldn't stop somewhere and be like hey i can't come into pt in the morning uh stuff has happened no i wasn't supposed to be there so uh, I think it was a I think it was a 13 hour ride, 1300 miles, and uh, I got to I started out doing about 80 miles an hour. After a few hours, I was doing probably about 120 the whole way, and uh, man, it's a bad deal. It's probably one of the worst without a license plate too, which I probably shouldn't talk about. But my my temporary license plate is made out of paper blew off on the yeah. trip so anyways yeah i just it's not necessary just don't don't torture yourself on a motorcycle because it's a good way to die too so yeah because i mean you get a little bit fatigued you start to drift off you're you're done i've done some some hellacious rides one when my brother died in 2013 um i brought his ashes to his kids one lives in louisville one lives in north carolina and i was living in maryland so i rode from maryland to louisville down to georgia visit with some friends for a few days and then up to north carolina and then back home and it was 1,800 miles round trip for the for the whole loop, the circuit. And coming through West Virginia, 
Um, there were places when I would stop in the valleys because I had to. One, to get fuel, and just two, to go into a truck stop, take a hot shower, and put my clothes in the dryer. Yeah. Because not only was I wet, but it was it was 21 degrees at the truck stop. So I don't know what temperature it was on the top of the mountains that I was going over, but I decided to make this trip anyway because, well, that's the last ride my brother's going to make, so I got to do it. So it forced me to go through and do all that. Then I had to get tires when I was in Bowling Green and other shit happened. Like, it was, it was a whole fucking thing. But that ride, you know, showed me a lot of what I'm capable of. I know I can do it, but I'm never going to choose to do that shit again. But that ride made you a better person. Yeah, but I'm not trying to be a better person than I am now. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's as good of a person as I want to be as far as when it comes to the bike. And I think, um, I think part of that is you get an appreciation when you're riding a motorcycle freezing when you go through that little heat pocket you smell everything mm -hmm. you got everything. all the smells yeah and then you go th you're constantly going through hot and cool zones yeah and you get an appreciation for it and the average person would never get that yeah. you don't even they don't they get in their car and they're comfortable all the way to where they're going and so when you're doing a long trip i think it's good uh pause it or we'll stop and restart. I just have to stop this one. Especially if we can All find right. something we disagree on. And we're back. So, small interlude there. We, we throw some commercials in. You know, we got sponsors. Uh, one of the sponsors I'm actually wearing today is uh, Bullstrong. Great, great people. Um, they take all of their, all the proceeds he makes off of, like, selling cool t-shirts and all the other fun shit that he has. He gives it back to his powerlifting team so that they can actually go and compete at places. That's cool. You've been a broke private before. Oh, yeah. You've been a broke private over there, right? Is yeah. a broke private. Is a broke private. Currently, life sucks. I'm just here to tell you. Um, so being a broke powerlifter is really the same same boat because you have to work all day. And you have this really expensive hobby that you want to go do. And you want to go lift all these weights. But it costs money. You know, you're like $100, $200 for registration. You got to travel there. You got to take days off from work, which sometimes a little rough. Hey, man, I'm going to miss two days of work this week. Well, you're going to miss two days of pay. Oh, Fuck. Now it costs more. Then you got to get there. Then you got to get a hotel. And you have to be there for a full two days because you got to weigh in the day prior. All this other shit going on. So what he does is he takes all of his money and he gives it to them. He pays for the hotel rooms. He pays for their trips. He gets them their singlets. He gets them new belts. He gets them whatever they need to be able to go and compete. And he's trained some world-class people. I mean, some people that currently have world records. Wow. And that's, you know, just doing that little bit means a lot. So that's why, like, I really support Bull Strong. Um, it's Chris Bull Griffin um, down at uh, Just Be Fit in White House, Tennessee. So if you ever want to see a different kind of gym that really and truly has everything, I can take you down to White House one time. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, it has everything. You go into their gym, and the up front is full of soccer moms. It's got like some machine stuff, a bunch of treadmills, some ellipticals. You got to pay the bills. Yeah, you got to pay the bills, and we all understand it. Then you go past that, they got a little, like yoga studio. They do their step class, their aerobics. They've got really nice bathroom showers, all that. You go into the next room, it's more of a functional fitness area. It's turf floor. They have one of those curved walls for the iron, the what are they called? Um, Ninja Warriors. They have oh, that. They have wow. a pegboard, so you can climb all the way to the ceiling. Love those. Um, they've got ropes. They've got an ollie station in the back of it. You go into the next room, it's all for bodybuilders. It's all cables and mirrors everywhere. That's all it is. So they can stand in there, they can do their posing, they can get all their shit in. Going to the next room, it's a little bit more of your, your power stuff. Um, so they've got the um, the 
the belt squad is in there, your leg press is in there, your hack squad, all your dumbbells are in that room. They got good mirrors. It's just a good room. Then you go into the last room, and it's sectioned off by a door and a sign with a set of rules. You're going into the fucking hole. Now, the hole, basically, when you get there, you better bring your own heart condom because fuck your feelings. You yeah. don't care about your feelings. It's not air conditioned, it's not heated. It's just a block room. But they have two competition monoliths, they have a fantastic deadlift platform they have two competition benches back there and then two other squat racks that are in there and that's where you go get work done yeah uh, that's where the team meets that's where they do all their stuff and then outside of that there's a carport where there's like a viking press some stones some farmers you know some other things for for strongman some of the stuff i've brought some of the other members have brought it down there um but it, it really and truly has everything so i love bull bull's a great guy um and he was my my second guest on the podcast i mean he's Fantastic. Most viewership that I ever got was, yeah. was just with him. And just great dude. So one of these days, we'll get you down there. Just go walk through this gym, and you'll go, why is every gym not like this? Right. Why doesn't every gym have this setup? Because it's super functional. I think he's pulling 3,500 members in White House, Tennessee, which is population 8,000. Wow. That's so incredible. To have almost 50% of the population be a member. That's incredible. Is an unheard of number. Normally... One to four percent is what you can count on for gym memberships out of any metropolitan area. One to four, he's rocking fifty. He's doing something right, and it's the people. You know, his wife runs the place. He's there in the afternoons. He's there on the weekends. Just, just great, great people. But enough about that one. Yeah. So let's uh, let's trigger some people and piss some people off. Uh, let's talk gun control. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Let's uh, let's let's get into this mess. All right. So. Uh... There are a lot of terms that are out that I believe have been put out to uh, and become commonplace to control this discussion and familiarize people with things that are actually contrary to the Second Amendment by the Second Amendment community and I believe the NRA. Uh, modular sporting rifle, sporting use, hunting use. Uh, we're down here in the south, and I'm at work, and I, I tell my buddy, uh, since Trump got elected, uh, the gun industry is just basically, it's terrible. Because they overextended themselves in case Hillary won on all of these guns. They've got pallets of guns. Then Trump won. People aren't afraid. They're not buying guns. They've got pallets of guns that aren't selling. Supply is way up. Demand goes way down. Prices are cheaper on a assault rifle or battle rifle right now than they have ever been, considering inflation. Let's, or let's talk about be. that term real quick. Assault rifle. No such fucking thing. Yeah, right. It doesn't exist. So let's let's clarify that for all of our listeners. AR does not fucking mean assault rifle. It really does not. And I, I really hate that it got the name AR right. for being Armalite. I, I hate it. Because they've turned it into this fucking thing of it's, oh, it's an assault. It's a military weapon. It's not a fucking military weapon. Not at all. Well, not and I have close. to remember that I'm, I'm talking to your people. Yeah. And so I'm in, honestly, I've, I've created this community where I typically talk to my kind of people. And I forget since, since like meeting these coworkers that that's not how it is with, you know, your normal people, mm -hmm. but it really isn't. And we have to, we have to remember that we have to bring it back to that point mm -hmm. 
uh, and break it down. And that really goes for me too. If I got into a, a serious strawman conversation with you or any of your followers, it would get out of hand really quickly. Right. Because I won't call myself necessarily a subject matter expert, but I've been doing this shit since 2004. Um, I love the sport. I'm inherently in the sport. Um, I hold some high levels in, in the best federation that there is. Um, and I'm, I'm part of every large contest. I'm there for all of them. So I, I have a great deal of information when it comes to it. So if we got you know into the weeds on it. Into the jargon, you right. know, you'd leave people behind. Yeah, the jargon would, would fuck people up. I've had people comment on the podcast. They're like, hey, man, great podcast, except I don't know what the fuck this meant, and this, and this, and this. And I was like, oh, well, those are that's, that's an axle bar. So that's a two-inch bar instead right. of an inch and three-eighths you would find a normal bar. So we have to go in and explain all that shit. I find it comes to be with guns. Even exactly. more so. Yeah, absolutely. So so I told him, uh, one of my co-workers, you don't have an AR-15. They are so cheap right now. Insanely cheap. And it's Labor Day sale because of where we're at. Mm-hmm. If you can, you should buy one. One of my other co-workers, yeah, but, well, I mean, you don't really need, nobody really needs an AR-15. And so I have, I've been self-employed for about five years, and I'm doing this as a seasonal job. I hadn't in person seen anybody say anything like that. I had forgot that that actually exists. And then he goes into, well, you don't need it for hunting. You can use a normal bolt-action rifle. And so this gets you into where your person who is pro-gun to their degree is not pro-Second Amendment. Okay. So, concealed carry... I often hear, I carry a pistol every day or that person has a concealed carry permit. Of course, they're they're pro-Second Amendment. Well, the concealed carry permit is unconstitutional. It is not pro-Second Amendment. And I shoot a lot but I just don't think that felons should be able to own guns. That's not pro-Second Amendment. So, I believe it was 1938, after the NFA was passed, they passed a thing where felons could not purchase firearms. And people say that is due process. You lose your rights through due process in the Constitution. No, if you look at the historical evidence of what they had, they lost their rights from due process while they were in prison when they got out of prison they did they did the crime they did the time it's over they could go buy a gun if they wanted to in fact i believe it was arizona they would pay you for your time in of course pay you almost nothing because do you deserve a full working wage no not in prison they'd pay you and they'd give you a colt pistol give it to you on your way out of prison as a criminal you're no longer a criminal. You just served your time, and you probably have a good idea at this point before 1938 through months of hard labor what that crime actually costs. So there is no if and or but in the Second Amendment because you have to be able to have a private militia to have a government that respects your freedom the government cannot make any gun laws. That's what the Second Amendment means, because the second that you allow them to make a gun law, now 
they're going to play on your heartstrings and they're going to take what they want because they don't want you to be able to form your own militia to kill them if need be because they want the power that they can get for free. So let me get this right. Yeah. You think all American citizens should be able to purchase firearms? 100%. No matter what they've done? Oh, yeah. But we do have a justice system. If it worked and you cannot be trusted in society with a firearm, you should already be hanging from a rope. Or you should be doing a lifetime of manual labor. So... The, 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 what this all boils down to is uh, an emotional response. Like, uh, let's say you had swastikas tattooed all over your forehead and I kill babies tattooed on your face, okay? And I'm here with my pretty little wife and my son and I look at you and I'm like, I hope that dude doesn't have a gun, right? Tears tattooed on your face, whatever. Mm -hmm. All right. The cool tattoos, you know. So where this breaks down the problem is most people go to well i think the government should make it so he can't have a gun the problem is no matter what the law is if you really shouldn't have a gun you do i should assume regardless that you do and the correct course of action for me is to take responsibility for myself we were talking about responsibility accountability take responsibility for myself and for my family to make sure that I probably don't stick around you, that I don't let you have an advantageous position around me, and that I have on me the firearm and the training needed, if need be, to defend myself and my family. Because the government can not do it. So all of the gun laws that make people feel safe are actually endangering them because the feeling of false safety is actually making their lives more dangerous because it does not exist. It's true. If someone wants to kill you, they're going to kill you. They can outlaw guns all they want. They did that in London. Uh, stabbing deaths are way up. Yeah. Way, way up. People want to kill you, they're going to kill you. Well, and I was in Germany. Okay? You, you can own guns in Germany, but not for any real purpose. You can't even carry a freaking knife. So uh, we had a legit safety briefing where... You had to be careful when you went out to bars in Grafenvir, which is by the Czech border, because girls around the age of 18 were showing up at the border missing all their organs. They're finding bodies missing organs at the border from these girls that were being picked up in Grafenvir. I mean, this crap is real. Yeah. And so evil exists. People say it can't happen in my town. Uh, I lived in Scottsville before this. I loved it there. Poor little girl at a football team disappears for five, or at a football game, disappears for five minutes, and 100 yards away, she was raped and killed, and her body was like five-year-old girl, maybe she's eight, body she was left older. out there. Before the parents even knew that she wasn't around, they were just like, go with your friends to the concession stand. She might have been eight. Yeah, you can go with your friends on the concession stand. Small little town. I'm talking about Kentucky tiny little town nothing ever happens here and your daughter just got raped and killed a mm -hmm. hundred yards away from you in a span of when the last time you saw her about 15 minutes so evil exists and as an american you have a responsibility it's the responsibility and accountability that people are running from and they're hoping that the government will pick up the ball 
Well, you can give away, you can delegate a task, but you can't delegate responsibility. No law enforcement officer, military, soldier, or government agency is responsible for your well-being. And if they make you feel like they are through law and you feel safe, you are actually now in more danger. Because in your oblivious your surroundings, you don't understand what danger is actually there. Now, the thing that happened in Scottsville, that was an absolutely... It's, I, I don't even actually like talking about it. I mean, it's it, just it so was tragic. Bad. Absolutely tragic. I heard he finally admitted to it, and he's going to... Just now. Guilty. Yeah. And that was how many years ago? It was a while back. And it's, it's, it's been a while. And here's the problem. The but, law that's going to punish him mm-hmm. isn't going to bring that girl back. No. So you're going to think, oh, well, we have all these laws. What's that do when your daughter's dead or you're dead? What good does that do you? Not a bit. So the punishment, and for me, I I see it very clearly the same way. Uh, I'm pro-capital punishment because um, some people don't need to be here. you know. And if you're inherently evil, you don't need to be in our society. I'm not saying exile and send you to the Arctic Circle. No, I'm saying feed you to a fucking bear. Right. Um, And, hey, the bear gets to eat. Cool. Everybody wins, right? So all the vegans can be happy because we didn't, you know, murder an animal. We fed one. With this guy's guts. Or the crows while you're hanging publicly in a noose until you fall. Yeah, just until your, your body just comes apart. Yeah, I mean, I'm down with that too. Uh, I'm pro gruesome murders. I catapult into a brick wall at halftime of the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm down. You know, we can go through all the, all the death penalty stuff that we want. And the thing is, there's enough subdued evil out there. People would watch that shit. People would pay pay-per-view to watch people get murdered. But some of those evil people understand cuz even your evil people still have self-interest. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to be get the capital they don't want to get capital punishment. Right. And I think publicizing it more and making it more of a fast track is better. Like in Texas, they don't have the amount of uh, of heinous crimes that they do everywhere else in the country because there's a fast track system there. That gets you quicker to the electric chair than any other fucking state, because they don't they don't play. Still not quick enough though. When's the last time someone's gotten the death penalty and it's been served? Like in Texas, five years. Like last month. Really? Yeah, they kill people all the time. They're they're down. Texas does not give a fuck about killing people. I don't know. I I had to do a paper on it. I don't think that they are able to get people through that quick. They're better in other states, but most states the death penalty is illegal at this point. It's not even on the table. Right. They're one of the last states where it's even an option. Which is great that it is an option. It is. If you go to Texas. It has to be an option. There's a good chance that if you go to rob somebody in Texas, one, they, they've got a gun. If right. you go to rob their house, good chance there's a gun in that house. And if they're home, you're going to get shot. Looking at 2014 for the last death penalty. 2014. In this last state or in Texas? In the United States. That's the last time somebody was put to death? Dude, only one person is put to death like every maybe five years in the entire country. And it was in Oklahoma in 2014? That's the last time somebody died to capital punishment? That's what popped up on Google. Fuck. It's a bad deal, man. I'm telling you. We need to be killing more people. My degree is in criminal justice, homeland security. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a part of this problem is a judicial system that is broken and we let criminals out early as a rule because we don't want to afford to keep them in prison. I was mistaken. Mm. Mistaken. All right. What do we got? What's the scoop? As of August 31st, 2019, 13 death row inmates have been executed in the United States in 2019, 12 by lethal injection and one by electrocution. Where? 
So 13 people in 2019 have been. That's that's almost good numbers. That's I mean. I want to bump those numbers up. Yeah, we. Those are rookie numbers. I want those numbers to be higher than mass shootings. Yeah. I really do. <laughs> Which should caveat right into our mm-hmm. next subject. To name a few, Texas, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, Florida. God-loving states. Uh, yeah, that's a comprehensive list. Yeah, I don't know if Florida can be called a God-loving state. Uh, just Google uh, a man in Florida or a Florida man, and then you'll come up with some crazy shit. There's yeah. some lunatics in fucking Florida, man. Oh, I have no doubt. Uh, like anytime, like I watch Bob and Tom a lot, or not watch it, listen to it, and uh, dude, every time they have a crazy fucking story, it's somebody in Florida. Well, you've some got, kind of wicked shit. It's always the, you've, you've got, got first guy on bath salts, eighty guys face, Florida. That's what they that's what they do down there. I don't know what the fuck their problem is. You've got like a vacation society there though that. Well, that plus immigration, plus yeah. you know the the older generation that's there. It just it all teams up to crazy. Yeah, definitely. I don't even call it the South. That's just Northern Cuba. So, but you were talking about, uh, let's see, mass shooters. All right, so I have this huge problem where people that I look up to as pro-Second Amendment advocates uh, are are talking in a positive light about red flag laws. Let's take... And Donald Trump, before he was even elected, said, let's take the guns first and due process later. Now you have Dan Crenshaw... Freaking uh, Crenshaw and Fringe uh, is just yeah, digging he, himself into a hole. He was on Rogan yeah. uh, last week. Yeah. Did you by chance catch that one? I didn't see that one, but I heard it was actually pretty good. It, it really was, and he talked about red flag laws. And it was the first time I'd actually heard the term uh, yeah. red flag laws. And he said that the one that he's proposing, that he helped to write, is not a red flag law. He doesn't like them. He's not supportive of red flag laws. He thinks that shit's stupid. He is from Texas. So, being a Republican and from Texas, typically you can kind of gauge what kind of person somebody is. But he's much more logical. And I think that what's happened a lot is without hearing what these politicians have to say in a long talk forum, Right. that's, that's what we're getting is sound bites. We're getting whatever Fox News and NBC and CBS and ABC, whatever they fucking want. And they're to, all commies anyways. Yeah, it's what they want us to hear. So, like, when Bernie Sanders is up there, and I don't like Bernie at all. But when Bernie Sanders is up there, he's just trying to yell and get attention. Well, he's just trying to get a couple seconds in. You see with Joe Rogan when he's yeah. got more time to talk. When he had more time, he's like, okay, this guy, he really believes this shit. He's an idiot for believing it. But at least he can say it in a way that's okay. But all of that stuff that we see is just set up anyways. I mean, it's right. just garbage. Right. Now, so that's why I like like with, with Dan Crenshaw, seeing him on Joe Rogan. I got to hear more of what he had to say. What's the Liberty Hangout chick's name, Josh? Look up Liberty Hangout. It's nice having our own Jamie right there. It's it's really nice to have. Right, right. <laughs> um, but, you know, hearing Dan Crenshaw, I didn't know who the fuck Dan Crenshaw was until this. Then I listened to it. Because anybody that, that he'll put on, I'll listen to to see if I even like what the hell they got to say. Because if I only clicked on people that I know, I wouldn't listen to very many episodes. Right. I really wouldn't. Because Definitely. Because the last one that I would actually know would be Robert Oberst. And fuck that guy. I don't even like him. Really? Oh, I can't stand that fucking guy. He's such an idiot. Don't um, deadlift, dude. Get the fuck out of here. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Any other... Caitlin Yeah, yeah. Caitlin uh, Bennett or whatever. Is she... it Bennett or Bennett? I, I, I don't know. Oh, okay. Just, just curious. America yeah. or France? I don't know. America. But uh, he actually responded to her and had a conversation with her through Instagram because she's calling him out. 
And one of the things that he said is that it shouldn't be your ex or your neighbor or someone like that that can start the paperwork on these red flag laws. It should be police or someone reputable. Mm -hmm. The problem is, let's say we had a state like Texas where that could work. And I still believe it would be wrong, but let's say it could work. I, I, and it's, 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 it's a federal guideline that this has been acceptable. Okay, so Texas uses it and it works. Then what happens in freaking New York? Do you, do you trust the police to make that decision? Well, Caitlin Bennett's been out there peacefully protesting and has been assaulted and told that she needed to leave and told all kinds of crazy stuff by law enforcement, which, thank the Lord, I live in this county yeah. where we have law enforcement that I can trust. Yeah. But, Actually, I had Shane Doyle on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. But if I go, let's say I go to Louisville, Am I going to trust any police officer with the ability to make any decision in my life? No, because no matter what, first off, I've never been in trouble and I never will be in trouble because it's the kind of person that I am. But if you decide that I've done something that should, and you're a police officer that should give you the ability to take my guns, that ain't right. I'm going to kill you. And then I'm going to get killed and be painted as a, as a murderer. That it, it all comes down to what is the Second Amendment. The government should not have the right to tell any to make any gun law because at the end of the day, the reason that we have the Second Amendment is so that we can go change our government and that any government entity that stands on our way, we can kill. Okay. So let's look at the data from the mass shootings themselves. When we look at them, a good portion of the people that are doing these types of shootings that are not gang-related, that are specific targets, movie theaters, schools, churches, this is what we're talking about. The majority of them are on some sort of drug. Accurate. Well, mostly on the same drugs. Yeah, mostly on the same. Antidepressants. Antidepressants. And all, the, the, the fucking list is long. And all of them are on some sort of antipsychotic of some sort. Right. Now... The gun laws that are in place right now, the ones that are there, I think if we followed them, would be fine. I'd be okay with it. But at what point do we cross over and get into HIPAA and say, hey, this person is, is legit crazy, can live in society, but by, by all means does not need anything that can harm other people, like a gun or a driver's license. Because some of these people need to not have a fucking driver's license. You've, you've, you've driven here. You've, you've seen it. Some of these motherfuckers need to not drive. But to me, the, the same thing goes for guns. There's some people that don't... They've lost that that ability. But should they lose their God-given and alienable rights to defend themselves and their life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness even in their craziness if they're outside of an institution? Once they're at the point where they could harm others, yes. But the other... It's other people's responsibility to defend themselves yeah um we don't give guns to kids in schools so that's not going to happen and i don't want kids in schools to have guns because they're not ready but mentally they're they don't have that cape that the capacity but when you're growing up carry. or when your dad was growing up they had guns in schools uh i don't remember my dad having guns in schools i mean he had like you know a shotgun hanging in his back glass uh but that's really far away 
you know, that's that's out in the parking lot. That's a run. You have to go get that shit. By the time that all these school shootings are happening, they're really only taking a few moments. Um, they go in, they they spray and pray. But again, no, no, with, really with, well with kids, we're talking about something that's under the parents. Right, and education and training and, and, and all that. However, personally, I don't really think that everybody who's an American citizen deserves that right. But see, the thing is, if someone doesn't deserve a right and it can be taken, it's not a right, it's a privilege. Everything we have is truly a privilege. Because you don't have to live here. You could live somewhere else where it's, it's, fuck you. But I'd still have the God-given right to carry a gun, and I still would. Not in another country. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you I would. Then you'd be breaking the law. I would be. Screw the law. Because the reason that we have the Bill of Rights is to protect individual liberty. Right? But we do not have individual liberty because that law protects it. We do not have the right to carry a firearm because we have the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment does not give us that right. It's a God-given right, and that's what the entire Bill of Rights says. There are inalienable rights that we are born with that the government has an obligation and duty to protect, but those rights do not come from the government. So in that, if you think anybody can carry a gun, anybody can have, own, possess... Should there be an age limit? It's going to be up to parents. I mean, so a 16-year-old kid says, I want to have a gun. Parents say no. Kid goes out and gets a gun. Well, he's still under his parents, so if his parents say no, that's Can he go buy a gun? Law. Can he go buy one? So we could say he'd have to have uh, parental consent. But if he has parental consent, why not? I mean, I, I had a SIG P245. I think I bought it when I was 12. I bought an AK when I was eight, and uh, I knew where every gun in the house was. There's one in the chamber, and I knew what needed to be done with it if we got to a point that that happened, and nobody in my family ever had a problem because we are raised by parents. And again, a lot of this problem comes back to parents have been encouraged to not take responsibility for their children. The, the, the moment that the Second Amendment died was the moment that that we decided that it was okay to have government-ran education. In that moment, when we said that the government has the right to teach our children whatever they want, which would make it easier for us, and we both have to work full-time jobs to make a living anyways and have the life that we want, we'll just give the government our children. The second that we did that, as a society... The Second Amendment died. Hmm. So when you have all these targets that are out there, soft zones, gun-free zones, or unknown zones, when somebody's crazy enough to go through the process, obtain a firearm, obtain the ammo, go in, and they decide they just want to murder a bunch of people, how... The government can't stop that. How do you stop that? The bottom line... Let's go with with schools in general. Schools. Rock Elementary is right up the road here. Right. Uh, Somebody decides they want to go in, they want to shoot it up. Right. How do you stop it? You don't. You can't. If I decided right after this podcast that I was going to go sit in that school and then 
I got to be careful so I don't get suicided or red flagged myself. But if I decided that what you're talking about is what I wanted to do, I guarantee you I could do it. Yeah. And with the shooting that just happened in New Zealand, with all of where uh, people, they're, they've been uh, labeled as conservative white ring, but they were not, cons- they, they had a, anyways, they went out and yeah, shot, they, what was it, 40 or 50 Muslims in mosques? It was a lot. It was a lot of fucking people. Nobody has a gun. Nobody mm-hmm. can protect themselves. They got an, multiple ARs, shotguns. If I wanted to kill people with no regard for my own life, I could go to any country, regardless of their gun laws or government, obtain firearms, and I could do damage. Now, I am in a safety segment uh, labeled with a college degree a wife and a kid which is why that i'm at lower risk because i care about my wife and my kid and it's gonna take a whole lot for me to to say you know what screw it i'm gonna go die like dr carl weiss by the way should Mm -hmm. be a hero the day he died coming up in september where he killed huey long in louisiana we should remember that man and call him a hero because huey long was an absolute communist dictator and incredible and he was gonna be president of the united states the most crooked person and someone took on upon themselves and said this dude is so bad i'm gonna die doing it but i'm gonna stop it and he left behind a new wife and a new baby and his sacrifice changed our entire country and probably is the reason we're sitting here right now depending on how you tell that story, you could go the same way with Lee Harvey, Lee Harvey Oswald. Because he left a wife and two kids. If you believe that actually happened. If you believe that actually happened. But, I mean, he's the one that died for it. So, right. he was there. He was on that third floor of the book depository. That part they could prove. Whether I'm thinking could... the Oklahoma bombing. No, 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 I'm talking Kennedy. Okay, yeah. yeah. Again, if they could even prove that happened. Um, but he was on the third floor. He was there with his weapon. He was Marine trained. He did go to Russia. He did have Russian wife. He did speak Russian. All these things are facts. Whether or not he pulled the trigger or not, different story. They said they found three casings. Those three casings, I think there was more than three bullets. Oh, I mean. I mean, back into the, I mean, just, just what. I mean, if we talk, if we talk about this too much, we'll probably get suicided. I mean. I mean, it's, it's always possible, but I'm not out in the world. It's probably Hillary Clinton. I mean, if they had evidence against him. I mean, Franco Colombo died yesterday, and I heard that while he was out in the uh, Mediterranean that uh, he might have gotten some information that would that lead to yeah. her yeah. arrest, so he was taken that's how it works, man. by a wave. That's how Florida had some information that's going to lead to her arrest. To... They're about to get hit by a hurricane. So, and i got to go down there next week, so it's going to be super. Yeah. Um, but with all of that, man, like... Without any form of structure or ideology, without rules, this country will go into anarchy. Well, sir, I don't believe in anarchy, and I don't believe that there shouldn't be rules, but I believe that the government cannot make gun laws. Should there be rules on guns? No. No rules whatsoever? Maybe if you're under 18, you need parental consent. So about like class three? No, gone. That's ab- that is actually the definition of unconstitutional. Because once again, it is 
the we have to have the right to own firearms so that we can form a private militia to kill our government. So you and me are like, hey, freaking Kentucky government is jacked up. We have the right to get together, get a bunch of buddies together, arm up, and walk down there and be like, hey, guys, uh, we're going to change this because you're jacked up. And if you get in our way, we're going to kill you. That is our right. That is actually what the Second Amendment protects more than guns. But since we have to have the right to do that, to have a free nation, obviously they can't restrict our firearms. That's, it's, it's like lit written being that a privately owned organized militia is necessary to the existence of a free state. The right to own and bear firearms shall not be infringed. Because you have to be able to have this militia, you cannot be regulated on firearms. Now, the problem with that is, <clears throat> at no point ever in in America going forward from today, will there be a militia good enough to take over the American military. Which is why we've already lost and the Second Amendment's already dead. I mean, it's really just not going to happen. The thing that comes up is the hard tasks. Like, if the feds came in and they said, all right, we're going to start taking guns... They're going to have a real fucking problem with that. It's going to take an army for every house. But they don't have to. So I just no. did a video. They've already taken your guns because through the government education system, even your most right-wing, they ain't going to take our guns, rednecks, who are in college right now, their kids don't give a crap about their guns. When they die, they'll sell their, kid, their dad's guns so they can go get some beer money or vacation money. They don't give a piss, and they don't even believe in your right to own guns. Mm -hmm. So through government education, they have just destroyed the Second Amendment without ever needing to fire a shot because the government's smarter than they get credit for, and they are especially intelligent when it comes to being shot to death. That's what they're trying to avoid, and that is what the Second Amendment is supposed to defend. The pen is mightier than the sword. We've been fighting a losing battle, and we keep redrawing our lines for what's acceptable in the Second Amendment since 1934. And while we're doing this battle and constantly losing, we gave up the pen a long time ago. We have an uneducated populace. We have, you know, we, we, we've been taught to respect age and yet you could be 80 years old and you worked in a factory your whole life and all you know how to do is pull a, a lever to make a brake caliper. What did you learn through the experience of life that deserves respect? So we have an entire society, and this is the Marxist agenda, by the way, is to create a society where people are separated from their own means of production and from the fruits of their own labor. And uh, as a Christian, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes goes right into, you have the right to the fruits of your own labor. And so when you start taking that away, chunk by chunk by chunk, and it, it has to start with education just like it did with Hitler. It always has to start with education. Because if the government, as the founding fathers stated, is the enemy and is a self-preserving and self-defending uh, entity, your greatest defense against them is education. And if you let them raise your children while you and your wife 
work, both work a full-time job and put them in daycare and this and that and the other thing, and you've lost your children, well, your children have now been raised by your government, who the Founding Father said is the enemy. How can you win? Uh, in and, and let's make it easy. Let's, you know, we'll, we'll watch you. You know, I've, uh, I've done private school, public school, and homeschool. Didn't like homeschool. But I'll tell you, uh, my problem is I'm at school for 10 hours and they're wasting seven of my hours. Because I could do all the work that I've been given in three hours. And uh, for history... Wait, why the fuck are you at school for 10 hours? Yeah, public school, elementary school, middle school, high school. What, what is it? Dude, 8 to 2.30. That's awesome. That's... It was like 7.30 to 3.30 for us, but I always showed up early yeah, and swim, everything else. Eight hours, I mean, if... If yeah. that. And then plus a bus ride, an hour and a half of that is bullshit. But if I'm at home, I can do that much work or more two to three hours. Easy. That's, in fact, uh, I did my four year degree in three years and the last two years of my education online, I spent about one hour a week being full time in college. You know, no, I mean, I, I did an accelerated program myself uh, for my last my last bachelor's. <laughs> 15 months, 90 credit hours. Wow. It was stupid fast. But right. I was working a full-time job. I was in the military. Right. So working that 12-hour day shift, five days a week, and I'm on business. So, But it was just the drive that I had to be able to do that. You take any college kid now, they can't even hold down a fucking full-time but they job. Were never, they were never taught anything in the first place. True. I was reading it at a post-college level in fifth grade because I was private schooled through elementary school. Mm-hmm. And you've got people coming out of college now that can hardly flip and read and we were talking about self-actualization earlier but they can read that debt number that they have of 100 grand that's just another facet of enslavement all right slavery is alive and well and it is exactly what we're talking about Mm -hmm. and if you can't keep your money the how much okay how much of your income can be revoked from you before you are officially a slave? How much of your labor can be taken from you before you are officially a slave? I don't know. Nobody talks about this. Is it like 50%? Like you worked all month and you get half of the money for your labor? Or is it 100%? Like you're not a slave until you literally don't get paid anything. At what point are you a slave? If you do not take responsibility for your self-ownership and your self-defense and you live in debt and your life is paying interest and uh especially with student loans all right all you're doing is paying taxes and interest just to survive in a tiny house or an apartment and your existence is set up through elitists to pay them you are livestock you are a cash crop. You exist to generate money for someone else. You're a slave. And it gets even worse if you're in government housing and on welfare. You're doing something else under the table to make your life a little bit better. But you basically live off the system. You'll do whatever the government tells you to do. You are entirely a slave. This is the LBJ form of slavery when Democrats went from supporting original slavery into what we have today, which is financial slavery. And our whole nation, they make it easy. You can get what you want right now. Just sign this line, 
Don't worry about the interest and you can have it. You just sold yourself into slavery. You're got, it's, it's over. My mortgage on my home. I owe $48,000 now, something like that. You know, and again, I mentioned being a Christian earlier. As a Christian, we're not supposed to be in debt. Uh, can you do that in today's day and age? I don't know. I'm going to work my hardest to not be there. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not 30 years old yet, and I feel like I'm on my way. Uh, and I'm self-employed and trying to do everything I can. But uh, I haven't stayed completely out of debt. But I'm in no similar situation to most of the people my age. True. Most people under 30 have at least 100 grand worth of debt, and they don't know what the fuck they're going to do with their life, and they're trying to figure it out, and they have a liberal arts degree. So yeah. they're like, uh, what the fuck can I do with this? Well, I Nothing. can't find anybody to hang out with that's my age, because everybody that's my age, they aren't, most people my age aren't doing strongman training, they're not out mountain biking, they're not out shooting, they're not out hunting, they're not fishing, they're not doing any of these things. They're having kids and working all that they can work and trying to get overtime while their wife works all that she can work and trying to get overtime so that they can afford just to exist, hoping that it will be better later in life. That's what most of them end up doing. About 30 years of age. And so even at 30, it's still, it's still a struggle bus. Yeah. I'd say by the time you get 55, that's when you're like, okay, cool. I start to slow down. But by that time, your life's over. Your life's not necessarily over. Cause I know a lot of really good in shape 55 year olds. That's true. But by that point, if you've worked yourself to death, you don't know anything else, and you can't relax. I, I got a lot of friends that, that work so fucking hard all the time. I'm like, dude, just, just take a break. Yeah. Just take a day off and just go and fucking sit on the water, do something. That's, like, what, that's what I'm telling people that all the time. function that way. Well, and so and the people that I work with working a temp job right now are coming up on um, 60, mm -hmm. and they run a farm, and they're working the same temporary job as me. Because the farm work doesn't pay for it. Doesn't the farm work barely pays for itself. You have to show a loss on your farm to even keep your farm. They literally yeah. show a loss on their farm, find a way to show a loss on their farm so that they can keep it, so it can pay for itself. Yeah, that way it becomes a small tax shelter. But guess what? The kids don't care about it. As soon as they die, they're going to parcel it up and sell it. Land's going up for sale for nothing around here. Here's and the good news. Kids don't care. You can buy that land. Exactly, but it's a good plan. Uh, they've they've worked at a factory for thirty years or more. Mm -hmm. They're pulling retirement. They're about to pull Social Security, and they still have to work. Yep, they're a slave. To me, I feel like it's a personal choice. You can you can decide to do that, or you can decide not to. The entirety of my bills in a month are a thousand bucks everything that's my house all my utilities included in my house um my car which i pay cash for because i don't see a point in fucking making payments on anything ever um there's just there's just no point in it save up enough money to buy a new car but you've self-actualized and you thought about it and you had to set it up that way yeah if you live the american dream you can't just say well i'm i'm not gonna do this anymore this sucks mm -hmm. or you have to file for bankruptcy well that's because the american dream has become this materialistic bullshit to me, the American dream is being able to be safe and prosper. Well, that's what it should be, and it, but the, that, that requires self-actualization and self-ownership. 
and people do not own themselves. They are owned by the government. And the discussion on this topic has been molded by education and the media. Yeah, which is mostly all extreme left at this point. Um, I know a few professors that, you know, lean to the right, but the majority of them all fall hard left. And I think it's because of what they come up doing. You know, they got their liberal arts degree and they were free thinkers. Well, then the only fucking job they could get was going back and teaching, which is not a great job because we don't pay our teachers enough. And so it's kind of that system has been indoctrinated with all the left people that couldn't do, but they could teach. So they're able to go and teach. And they're the ones molding the minds of America. Well, okay, but, so, but the they bought is, into the lie, though. So when you buy into a lie... To them, it's not a lie. To them, it's their life. But they can't, they can't allow it to be a lie because, again, if they self-actualized and looked at the situation for what it was, then they'd have to take responsibility for it, for a change. But so to be a liberal is not that way. Right. Well, and to, that's, and that's what I'm saying. This whole They really system, believe that. Like when, when we listen to, to, to Bernie when he was on Rogan, he really believes all that crazy shit he says. He believes that it's all about greed. He believes that it's it's all about these other things, and the government should provide every fucking thing. The well, problem but, with that is, where the fuck does it come from for everybody to get a UBI? But how could like, he? That's just not, how can he believe that though, and have a few mansions and uh, Audi R8? Somehow he believes that. I want an Audi R8 someday. Okay, so if but I, I don't have the money for let's this. say I'm Bernie Sanders. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I tell you, this is what Huey Long did. Huey Long would get up on stage and talk about capitalists and businessmen who had a closet with 10 suits. How many people of you out there have 10 suits? People be like, I got one suit. I don't even have one suit. Right. All right, so he goes up there. The people rally behind him because he's saying this stuff. Huey Long had over 100 suits. He was one of the best-dressed people in America at every moment, every day. He was filthy rich, and he made his wealth as a lawyer by going after corporate America mm -hmm. and turning the people against corporate America. Now, that's not to say that corporate America was necessarily good. Uh, what, you know, he, was, he was attacking bad. the oil companies and the telephone companies. There are problems. Mm -hmm. But he saw the problems not as an opportunity to attack the problems and help the people. He saw problems as an opportunity to attack the problems and gain power. Yeah. And he used the people for the power. And every dictator has done that. And he makes mm -hmm. the people think that they're on his side. He's on their side. So Bernie Sanders, I believe that we should pay for this for every people, every person. And the elite 1% is the enemy. And... Blah 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 blah. But he, he is the elite one percent with multiple mansions. Yeah. So 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 wait wait. If you really believe Bernie, what you're telling me, what's up with your life? How do you get out of paying more taxes than say Donald Trump? How do you pay less taxes on what you make than I do as a dude making freaking next to nothing? Yeah. Especially when you look at at, at the the overall basis of percentage. If you're poor in this country. 70% of your income goes to food and housing. The rich are not spending 70 fucking percent. Well, and, and the thing is that housing, they never own. Right. And but the other 30%, though, they've been, they've, been, they've been convinced that that other 30% should, 
should go to booze, possibly possibly drugs, uh, and uh, lottery tickets. Or the church. Uh, especially in 10% Europe. 10% tidings. Come on. You got to give Europe. that 10%. No matter how much you make, you have 10%. Yeah, I don't see any of the super rich giving up 1 million of 10. I just don't see it happening. But well, I, some of the super rich are starting their own churches because it's tax-free to get more money. Right. I mean, and that's probably 90% of the churches. Look at the in uh, Houston. He's got a house that's bigger than fucking Edmondson County. What's his face? Freaking the hair, the gelled hair guy. Oh, what's what's that guy's name? The, Looked it up. The, the guy in Houston, the one that like turned people away after the hurricane. The the douchebag, uh, Chris. He's got one of the mega churches. Christian mega church dudes, Joel Olstein. Joel Olstein, that's him. Piece of trash. God, I fucking hate that guy. But uh, but you know what? As, from a business perspective, he's a genius. Oh. He's fucking wicked smart. Absolutely. I'm Most just, evil people are. I'm just kind of jealous. I wish I had thought of that. If I had come up with it, I would have done the same thing. But, you know, I'm content. I'm happy. I'm good with where I'm at. I like living in Emmons County, Kentucky. It's yeah. fucking great. I got friends in L.A. They're like, dude, you should move to L.A. I was like, fucking why? Okay, but if you're Do I content, want a $7,000 a month house payment? If no. you're content with what you have, you can't be enslaved by someone else. Right. So I'm free. I'm happy. You're free. But let's say we're in Pennsylvania and you give me the finger guns, which is now illegal, and you get red flagged and they're going to come kick down your door to take your guns. Now, with this red flag shit, how many people have actually been hit with this red flag? At least one person has been hit and killed. And one person was hit, uh, mistakenly hit. They hit the wrong person and was killed. For red flag laws? Yeah. In what state and where? Look up the people who have been killed by red flag laws. But more importantly, what is the precedent that they set? So, for instance, the bump stock ban. You, you realize it's never mentioned a bump stock. Mm -hmm. It says a rate-increasing device. So this shotgun here, what if I live in New Jersey and you decide that this forend here being wood is lighter weight, which helps me to rack the slide faster and is in fact a rate increasing device. And more importantly, the bump stock ban is retroactive. So you make a law saying that this is illegal and I'm not grandfather claused in, I'm now a felon. Now, this law is passed at a federal level, and states can decide how and when they're going to implement it. Mm -hmm. So I mean, you've just written a blank check to any communist in power that wants to write whatever unconstitutional laws he wants. And so far, most people have not been affected by it. California... And a couple other commie places have been affected by it. But so far, nobody's been affected by it. But California what's the potential? really should be its own country. Well, it should. But you know who started the gun control trend in California? Hmm. Ronald Reagan. So who are your friends? You. Yeah, that's it. I mean, and when it comes to gun laws, there cannot be any laws or it will be you or a future you that loses them. When you need them is when they don't want you to have them. 
We are by Mammoth Cave, right? Imminent domain. Mammoth Cave was stolen from the people that lived there. They were paid what they said it was worth. Yep. But the uh, there's one guy who's famous for saying that he wasn't going to leave. So they had Triple C employees, while he was at church, bulldoze his house to the ground. Mm-hmm. That's historical fact. Can't be argued one inch. It's a long fucking time ago, though. Things a little different. Not really. That was like in the 20s, the 30s. Yeah. A long time ago. It's not as bad as Waco. No, Waco was just a big fucking mistake. It's not as bad as Ruby Ridge. And if it it wasn't, and if it wasn't for cell phones, it's not as bad as the Bundy Ranch would have been. And you know, guns at the Bundy Ranch changed the game. But what really changed the game at the Bundy Ranch was cell phones. Mm -hmm. And what's the first thing the government did? Set up First Amendment zones cordoned off fenced in areas where media was allowed and where you could speak your mind nowhere else you get attacked by dogs you get tased you get pepper sprayed you go to jail Mm -hmm. so the thing is if the government is self-protecting is self-protecting and is going to push its own agenda for its own good against the people and if our founding fathers said that because of that they can't make gun laws. You know, where's where's it where's it go? Where's it end? Where's it start? Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This segment has been brought to you by Gorilla Strength Equipment. They build the equipment that we all use. They take great pride in what they do and believe wholeheartedly that things worth doing are worth doing right. Everything they send out, they're proud of, and every single item that comes out of that shop has a lifetime warranty just as important as producing heavy-duty quality equipment is providing top-notch customer service their number one purpose in life is to make a difference by helping people their goal is not to make a transaction with a customer that doesn't mean shit it's to create relationships build friendships and help people achieve their goals the home gym craze is really just gone crazy people aren't wanting to go pay 40, 50, 60, 70 bucks, you know, to go to a gym and spend, you know, several hours of their life there. They're trying to do it in their home. They're trying to do it in the garage, trying to do it in the basement. They're just trying to get it done. So this is a place you want to go to. Gorilla Strength Equipment will make just about anything. The creative mind that David Dennis has is unfathomable. I've helped him design stuff myself for strongman events. You might have seen our equipment at Mammoth Strength Challenge. You might have seen it at Kentucky Strongest. You might have seen it at the Arnold Amateur World Championships. Last year, we just used the Bubba Bar as the axle deadlift for that championship. Now, we were able to load that bar up to over 700 pounds. There was no flex. None. None whatsoever. And we still had enough room to put another 400 pounds of bumper plates on there. See, they make great stuff. You need it. I need it. I use them all the time. I've got hubs, I've got axles, I've got bars, I've got grip stuff. Everything that you could ever need from Gorilla Strength is there. You need to contact them to let them know. Now, we're running a special deal for you. If you're listening to this podcast, if you use the coupon code H2OCAST, that's H2OCAST, when you do your checkout, you can get a Bubba Bar at the low, low price of $120. That's shipped. That's everything included. That's called 
you spend $120 and it's going to get delivered to your house. That is fantastic. You're not going to find another deal like that. Now, these are the same bars that we used at the Arnold Championships, the Amateur, Amateur World Championships. We use these bars. They're fantastic. So if you go online, you go to GorillaStrength.us and you use the coupon code H2OCAST, it's H2OCAST, then you can get these very, very, very special bars for only $120 shipped to your house. Normally they're $150, so you're getting 30 bucks off. This is a huge discount, everybody. Go and check out David Dennis at GorillaStrength.us. And we're back. So I think we can come to common ground here. Mm -hmm. You talked about capital punishment earlier. Right. I'm, I'm talking about it. the people having unrestricted access on a free market to firearms. Now, I'm going to do just a, a quick direct comparison here. As far as the rights, we have the right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, right? Right. Okay. So if somebody commits a crime and their life is relieved of them, is that unconstitutional? No, because the Constitution says that if you go in front of a jury of your peers, they can vote to have your rights taken away. So can that same jury vote to take your rights to own firearms away? No. And here's why. why. Unless you are in prison. So when they vote for your rights to be taken away and you're punished, you're punished with an amount of time in prison. That could be the rest of your life or that could be death. But if you've been deemed to be allowed to go back into society... When you're back in society, you have your rights again. But as a felon, you don't have your rights again. You shouldn't. Or like, no, let me back up. You did before 1938. You couldn't vote. As a felon, you could never vote. That's a fundamental right. But that is taken. That is gone. You had a so lot of... should voting. Felons. Voting was never really constitutional in that time. Because if you were black, you couldn't vote, or your vote was half of a vote, or three quarters of a vote, or well, this or that. Well, technically, the ten years after the Civil War, they could, and then we had a bad fucking regression, and it went away. Um, like things were really good ten years after the Civil War, but the picture got painted a little bit differently as you go back and you, you read through, like what's there, what's available. It was a really good time. There was more progress made in that ten years than there was like in the last fifty, as far as progressive for, for racism and for equality and equal rights. So women didn't get the fucking right to, right to vote until the 20s. So, But we can't, we can't, so because we know that felons, the right to vote was screwed up. But now everybody can vote. We can't equate. Felons. So we can't equate a law that was screwed up at that point equally to another law should be screwed up as well. Splitting hairs. So, should felons be able to vote? Sure. Why? They're still citizens. If they are released back into society, why not? Do you know what that'll do to the vote? Make uh, criminals be elected into office? Well, they're already in office. Right. But what that's going to do, because the majority of your criminals in the system that they're in, they're provided for by the government the entire time, even though it's privatized prisons. Um, when they come out, they go back into shitty communities in shitty areas and shitty urban areas so that's where i came that are controlled that's where i said we could find common ground democrats we fix the judicial system we bring back capital punishment 
and we bring back hard labor in prison. My biggest problem is that cruel and unusual punishment has come to mean the very labors that other people choose to do to make a living. So if I can choose to work out in 110 degree heat to paint a house because I need to put money in my family's mouth, why can't a felon in prison be forced to do that? That'd be cruel and unusual. So put chains on their legs, put them out in that field and make them work and potentially earn the state money. Then people don't want to go back to prison and then when you got people committing heinous crimes and you whack them. To be fair, that money wouldn't go back to the state. Most of our prisons are privatized. Well, I'm talking about I'm talking about an ideal system that could have or in some fantasy land could in the future exist. I'm talking because I'm talking about before we turned down the road that we're down and now we're in a system where prisons are privatized, but we can't afford to have them to be privatized. So you've got a five-year sentence with no chance of parole, but we really can't afford you. So we're going to let you out two years, but we're not going to let you get a job easy. We're not going to let you own a gun. So you're going to be right back into prison within a few months. The recidivism well, rate is some prisons It's designed that way. Have a occupancy rate that they have to hold. And they get stipends back from the government because of it. And they have to maintain, I think, some of are like 95% occupancy. So if they don't stay full, then they can pull their funding from the state. And they still have to pay for everything. So the judicial system... Why does it always sound drunk when you say judicial? Judicial system is possible. It's kind of like me trying to say recidivism. Recidivism. It's a hard one for me. Judicial system. Drinking too much, yeah. But they, they have to keep prisons full. They have to. If they don't, they lose funding. And they lose all the state money that they would have had anyway. And it doesn't come back. Because the contracts that we've written for ourselves, nobody uh, decided to read through them bitches and say, hey, this is what's going on. Have you ever seen the show uh, Adam Ruins Everything? No. So Adam Conover is a comedian. And he has this show called Adam Ruins Everything. And it's a lot of skit comedy type stuff. But a ton of facts. Because he has like a whole research team that just goes and researches like certain things. He does one like on marriage. Oh, well, my, my wedding is going to be this, 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 and this, and this, and this. Oh, well, let me tell you why all those things are wrong and this shit's stupid. He did one on prisons. Let me tell you how our prison system is completely and totally fucked up. And he goes through the whole thing and he'll have experts come on and talk about it. And oh, it's it, ruined. It's, it's, it's crap. Yeah, but when Adam ruins everything, it's got a funny premise to it. And then also some of the things he brings up, it's like, well, fuck. We, we thought it was, we, we all think things are a certain way, like hunting. He goes over hunting and, you know, doing the whole, like, um, what is it, Caesar or Cecil the, the fucking lion, all that bullshit. He goes over all of that and he lays down the facts. Normally, he's very left and I'm like, ah, man, get off your fucking high horse. With hunting, he's like, hey, this is how we fucking save the animals. Because the money that goes to hunt that one lion, who's a problem anyway in killing people... Well, we got him shot, and this guy, this dentist, had to pay two hundred fifty grand to do that. Well, that money goes right back into that economy. Mm-hmm. It goes right back into that community for conservation to keep the poachers out because people are going to get the animals anyway. They're going to find a way. Well, and, the, so and that's least, just like guns. At least sell them the right way. And that and that goes straight into man, <sighs> conservationists, <laughs> anti-hunters. 
They don't realize that every bit of conservation that we have is paid for by hunters. And then people that want to save the trees kill the forests mm -hmm. because they don't allow sustainable uh, harvesting. They don't allow controlled burns. Yep. And then there's one, one of three things is going to happen. Your forest is going to choke itself out and die entirely. It's going to be infested by disease and or beetles, mm -hmm. and or it's going to burn to the ground 100%, which actually is great for the soil, but with actual converse, co conservation has been lost to some kind of moral relativism that is based on ignorance and emotions. It really is. And it kills um, the forests. Adam went into another episode on conservation and how, like, the American Indians, before we, you know, came in, killed them all, gave them diseases, and took their land, they would have controlled burns in the Pacific Northwest. Wow. They would do their own controlled burn. Native Americans. Wow. Because they understood that if you control, did the controlled burn, you could travel through there better, and the animals would live longer, and everything was a little bit better. The, the fires they have in California now are horrendous because we don't chop shit down. Well, but you're Give trying it to less save, fucking fuel. You're trying to save the trees in the forest, right? You've got 100 trees packed in here, and you want to save the trees. Yeah. You could log 80 of the smaller trees, leave 20 of the big, beautiful trees. You get now your economy gets this wood. Uh, wood prices go down. Supply goes up. All right? And... The area flourishes. There, here's the thing: there always has to be an alpha predator in everything. Everything is a cycle, even our climate. And we've eliminated almost all of our fucking predators. Well, because and we've eliminated ourselves. We have eliminated our those predators and ourselves mm -hmm. as the uh, balance on this earth that we should be. The more people that get eaten by mountain lions the more I laugh because I find it to be fucking hilarious because, well, we want to save all the animals except for the ones that hurt us. Right. Well, there's a problem with that. If you have mountain lions, then you have less deer. If you have less deer, then you, you're going to hit them less with your car, which is a fucking fantastic thing. But if you have zero mountain lions, then you have a lot of fucking deer. And disease. And disease. And crops get eaten. And shit gets fucked up. And cars get fucked up. And people wonder, hey, man, why is my insurance going up? Well, you hit four fucking deer. Oh, oh so but then save up. the deer, though. But save them. Don't kill them. Don't kill them. Any of them. But then look at what nature does. Yeah. Nature well, it's is a brutal fucking system. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you watch a pack of wolves take down a, an elk, it's fucking brutal. But if you take a hunter who goes out and gets a, a 10-year-old elk. Oh, my gosh. Boom. Done. It's over. It's gone. That, that animal is done. That animal lived a long, hard fucking life. The most humane way that anything can die is by being shot. It's as quick as fucking possible. And so, and people are like, oh, save the animal. Like, okay, let's, I get, uh, like, for instance, the white moose or these ultra rare, oh, it's a freaking felony and we will invert your rectum and nail it to a wall if you shoot this thing all right so uh, on 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 one side you have this beautiful white albino animal gets shot and killed by a hunter its pelt and its mouth are put up and enjoyed for generations or it lives one more year and it watches itself be devoured by another animal all of it goes to waste and it has a horrible death or it dies of disease 
everything in nature dies of disease or is eaten. Or both. Or Some both. die of disease and then are eaten after. And it is, you know, imagine you're looking at yourself being eaten. And I've seen animals look at themselves being eaten. It's like, it's, you know, uh, and people talk about restricting guns. And uh, let's say uh, he used too much force with the firearm. He killed that guy in two shots, but he shot him 12 times by civilians who know nothing about shooting or how any of this works or how someone dies. Or okay. how PCP works. But Yeah, or how PCP works. Mm -hmm. But now let's take away that firearm and those 12 bullets and let's use a knife. You want to know how that's going to look? After he gets done with a knife? Yeah, knife knife murders are absolutely brutal. They, we really need to look at you know, Australia and England and the knife murders. Oh, well, and let's look at realistically not how our government and their government wants to portray it. Mm -hmm. And then let's take it past a knife. Now let's look at what it looks like when someone's bludgeoned to death with oh, a blunt brutal. object. It's fucking brutal, Okay, man. so the more... The peace and freedom and equality in the world was brought by the firearm because you've got, what, 120 pounds on me? I'm 215? I got almost 100 on you. I'm 100? only 300. Only 300? All right, so you're... I'm a little guy. You're 300. Okay, you're 300. My wife's 100. Mm -hmm. Okay. But the bullet doesn't care. Nope. So no matter how big you are, if you're like I'm, because because you you could probably hit my wife one time in the head and kill her, right in the temple. Just to be fair, I would never do that. Just throwing that out there for all the people listening and watching. No, I'm never doing that. Right, but you probably could. So if we have a sword or fists, the mismatch in in the capacity for violence is like is so vast a firearm brings equality and in the same way a firearm brings equality for the people against the government in every aspect of this entire world the firearm brings equality and when you see the people without firearms they are the ones who suffer, not the government. The government either flourishes or the elites who run the government and then can wash their hands of the government and walk away, they flourish. One or the other. But they ain't sucking. Now, Germany did not flourish after they took everybody's guns. They didn't do well. It they ended did, badly for them. They did well for a little while. Well, but a, it didn't a, last very long. A good minute. And then, a short, then, a, then they yeah, started short deal, just, yeah. you know killing Jews and uh, all that other stuff. But the thing is, we were we were not going to get into that. We were not going to do it. And then Japan said, no, you're going to get into this. So I wonder, like looking back at it, what was the motivation for Japan to attack us? Pretty much to bring us into the war. Well, you know that all of that's been declassified. Mm -hmm. We knew that was coming before it happened, and we wanted to be in the war. We did, but we needed a reason. We needed a reason. So, so we let so that happen. On a Sunday, when most men weren't on their ships, but just like Eisenhower did later in sea maneuvers around England, around Germany, men were sacrificed for nothing by our government. Every war we have, it and that comes back to well, it's been a long time. Mm -hmm. 
well, it's not going to be very long until something happens again, but you might not ever hear about it. Right. And so uh, one of the things that I did in the military was work with PSYOPs. The discussion that the average person is having is controlled. And that is what the government's good at. Our government is incompetent at many things, but controlling the discussion is not one of them. They're very good at that. No, propaganda, they're, they're fucking amazing at. And they really are. look at their arms of propaganda mm-hmm. uh, and look at how... So we don't have, as you know, we don't have true capitalism. We don't have really a free market. And uh, our government and uh, the corporate elite are so tightly entwined that they control each other. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what you get. Yeah, it, it really is. And it's not, a, it's not a perfect system. However, as I've traveled the world, seen a lot of different things, it's the system I like best. Well, we got nowhere else to go. But no, the no, no. system, the There's system. other places to go. There's lots of other places to go. Not for me. With much less rules, regulation, taxes, and other things. The problem is going there and then surviving within that local culture. But but that's the hard part. Okay, so if I go to Afghanistan, I have the right to own. I think one AK-47 per adult male. Something like that through their yeah, government. They also have that whole men are for pleasure, women are for reproduction thing. So yeah. I'm not saying Afghanistan is ideal to go, but if you want to grow fucking opium, that might be the spot to go. And they also have if some you really wanted, hash there. if you wanted to live there, the government is not strong enough to tell you what you can and can't do. So if you want to own ten thousand AK-47s, you can do it, right? Mm-hmm. But what happens when the government says? Uh, I want your land, or I want X, Y, or Z, or I just want to kill you. Nobody cares. There's no uprising. You have no right. You don't have a right to live. You don't have a right to prosper. And if you get those things, you do it illegally out of sheer will because you are born with the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And if you live in a place like that, you have to be willing to say, screw it, screw you, I'm doing this. Well, then, truthfully, the only place that anybody can live that's not governed is Antarctica. Well, it's not, it's not, and it shouldn't be a lack of government. The federal government should be, through the Bill of Rights, protecting the rights of the individual from the city and the state. What about when people infringe the rights on each other? When does the government step in on that? So, and, and it depends. You ha- your constitutional law enforcement body is your local sheriff's department. Mm-hmm. So if you are infringing on my right to life because you just killed my son, well, either I'm going to kill you. Hopefully it's already happened. At this hopefully point, that's yeah. already happened. But if it hasn't happened, should I hunt you and your family down? No, I should go to the sheriff's department, and I hope that the justice system exists. Right. So Which in in it does. It's just a long, broken process. But that's what I'm saying is, what about when your neighbor infringes on your rights? Now we have the sheriff's department. Uh, what if your neighbor infringes on your rights to uh, water because uh, they dammed up the creek, which took all the water out of your farm? 
well, now we need a legal system. We need a judicial system. I am not an anarchist. I, I an anarchist. I am a constitutional libertarian or a constitutionalist or what I would consider to be a centrist, someone who is in the middle of the debate in between totalitarianism and anarchy, directly in between is a constitutional republic where you can't vote my rights away by, um, you know, by the masses voting to want to take my rights away because we're a republic and we have a government system to be in between these issues and to protect our rights. Now, if I live in California and they can't tell me I can't have a high-capacity mag, now it's Donald Trump's obligation to take them to court and say, hey, you're clearly infringing on his rights. If the court says, yes, you are, and they say, well, screw you, I don't care if you say I'm... Then we cut off federal funding, and then if that doesn't work, well, we're going to war with California. Well, that brings up another point. Should states have more power than the federal government? They should outside of the Bill of Rights. The state should not have the right to infringe on an individual's liberty as outlined by the Bill of Rights because that is the federal government's system of law saying that they are going to protect these specific things and anything outside of these things is up to the state. So that could come up to a lot of other topics like homosexuality or drug use or alcohol use, or any of this broad range of topics could be at the, uh, at the state level. So if I'm in Colorado and they legalize marijuana and I'm really against that, well, shoot, I guess I better leave. If well, I'm right there. It's, it's close. Right. If I want to smoke weed and it's illegal in my state because the state body says so, uh, then I need to go to Colorado, okay? Mm -hmm. So things that are outside of what is specifically protected by supposed to be protected by the federal government through the Bill of Rights should be up to the state. And they have so much leeway to run that however they want, especially with taxes. Okay. But when it comes to the Bill of Rights, it is the federal government's obligation and the purpose of its existence to protect those rights. And if the government is not protecting your rights and protecting your borders then it is doing something wrong. That's the only two things. Protect the borders, protect the rights. That's its, that's the purpose of its well, existence. Now, well, now we're moving towards open borders anyway, so it doesn't even fucking matter. So for everybody who says, hey, let's have open borders, I say, okay, we'll have open borders. Just leave your front door open. You're right. Well, Take well, your front door off fucking hinges. <sighs> just leave it open. And the libertarians, libertarians who vote for Gary Johnson and are pro-gun control... Libertarians, which is the largest body of libertarians because all they really want is to get high. But uh, libertarians being anti-border and saying that that is a libertarian stance. You cannot have a government that protects your liberty that has open borders. And you to be a citizen, you have to have a border. All right. So for you to have your rights protected by a nation... You have to be a citizen of the nation. For you to be a citizen of the nation, there has to be a freaking border. And nobody has the right to cross the border. You don't have the right to go into another country. You might be able to, but you might want to think about fixing your own country. 
but nobody has the right to move here. So if you want to move to America, show me that you're the cream of the freaking crop like any other country. I couldn't move to Switzerland. No, they wouldn't take you. No, no. They'd be like, what do you do? Uh, I make paracord rifle slings, uh, YouTube, uh, social media management. So what's your doctorate in? Uh, but you know, per capita, uh, Switzerland has more gun owners than any other country in the world. Because they have required, and this is what pisses me off, is people are like, well, in America, the criminals can get guns so easy because guns are so ex- accessible. And if guns weren't so accessible, the criminals wouldn't get guns and we wouldn't have any crime. Uh, well, what about the country that requires gun ownership and has basically no crime? Switzerland. Yeah. Every single man is sitting with a doggone battle rifle in his house. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to freaking pull out some sideways 9mm that he learned to shoot in a night in a freaking YouTube video. He's military trained, and he's going to pull out a 762 by 51 battle rifle and lay down some hate. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to screw with that. Nobody wants to be at the receiving end of a battle rifle in a house. The second that they hear that thing go off, if it does... Either they're on crack or they're gone. They also have uh, low uh, drug issues over there, too. Switzerland's a great place. Man. It's like freaking that. amazing. I, but it's, it's so hard to get to another country. And it's so like, expensive. All well, the other, physically, like... All the other countries, like, they just... They, they don't want new people. They're like, no, we're not taking you. I can't go back to Italy. My son and my ex-wife are there. I can't go there. I can visit, but I can't go there and just be like, I'm living here now. This is it. This is where my kid is. This is where I'm living. No, no. Maybe sponsored. For for you get you, no sponsorship. Fuck you, buddy. Get out. For a libertarian, or more appropriately, a constitutional republic to exist, there has to be closed borders and controlled immigration. Mm-hmm. And immigrants are part of what make this country great, mm-hmm. because we set standards. And if immigration is free and open, and anyone can come here and live here freely. Immigration will destroy the country. And I'll tell you, in Franklin, Kentucky, probably 50% of the employees at factories hardly speak English, do not have a green card, do not have a visa, are here illegally, and yet get free health care. And the only thing that they know how to do is to drive to work and home. They don't know anywhere else. And they exist to send money back home. Who's bringing them here? coyotes this it's not even it's not even coyotes we're talking about mass ships uh government power thrives on instability and this is basic terrorism and basic governing and again homeland security is my area of uh expertise i guess so the more unstable you can make the population and afraid that you can make the population, the more power that you have. What better way to create instability than to bring the scum of the earth into your country in a place that they're not familiar with, but they don't really have to pay to live? How many houses in Bowling Green, you, the, the contractors don't know how they're being paid. They don't know where the money is coming from. Houses are going up as fast as they can be built. Anybody with a contractor license is putting up apartments. Where, 
where the crap is the money coming from? But the city government says that we want to grow 40,000 people in the next couple of years or whatever. Which so who's pulling the strings? We haven't grown any in the last 40 years. So it's been 60,000 people, 75,000 people since I can remember in Bowman Ring. Like, it's always been that way. And they're putting up all these new houses. Population numbers are not changing. I don't know what's going on. Bowling Green's a freaking weird place, but yep. I my, my, my part of my problem is how do I know the population numbers? Because I ain't going and counting. We have trust census numbers. Well, who's in charge of that? The government. Mm, see, I start running into problems there. There's some things we just have to trust the government with. Mm, I don't think so. There's just some things you have to. I don't. I think. I think. Do you trust like that, is, that highway out there? That I sixty five. I like it. You, you like that? Yeah. Yeah, that's the government. It is. Yeah. But All do these I, roads out here? Do I trust them to maintain it though? I hope they do. But do I trust you them? Have and to. If you don't have a choice, you can't go out there and fucking pave twenty feet of it yourself. It's true. You're not gonna go out there and fucking run some more electrical lines. You're but not if they tell me, that. if they tell me, if I make a contract with them, let's say I make a contract with them. That we will allow them to steal, let's say, Mammoth Cave. And in the contract, it says that if they ever close the ferry going through Mammoth Cave, that they have to build a bridge. Am I going to trust them to build the bridge? We don't have a freaking bridge, so they no. They didn't put that in the contract. It's in the contract. Yeah, they're working on the ferry. So they're That's, not going to build the bridge. But Houchins, it, in the contract specifically, it states for Houchins Ferry that if the ferry stopped running, they'd build a bridge. It's not stopped. It's paused. No, Houchins is done. Yeah, it's paused. Yeah, well, again, the government. See, and the thing is, people were talking about when this whole universal health care thing rolled out, you can't trust the corporate because they will find a way to screw you out of your health benefits. They'll find a way to get every dime they can out of you. And every person will find a way to get every dime Including out of you they can. the government. So they're running, uh, you know, we have like 18,000 total rangers, park rangers in all of America. It's not that many. They're shedding rangers as fast as they can. And um, Oh God, we were going somewhere. I was with the parks. Ah, oh, mother trucker. I can't remember where I was going, but I mean, it was clutch. Oh, your your benefits. So the government, we have to control benefits because the the private industry is going to screw you out of your health benefits. They're getting rid of rangers as fast as they can. They're doing as many seasonal employees as they can because mm-hmm. you can only work a certain number of months because they don't have to give you any benefits. Right. So so constantly obama was hitting this platform of you can't trust corporate because they're going to do all this stuff and we're going to make this legislation that's going to make it so that they can't do all of this and that's exactly what government goes to do as soon as it's all passed because they know their own loopholes Mm -hmm. the whole thing's a freaking joke nothing's become more affordable for the average person it's just so it's 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 a freaking nut roll. Mandatory. And, and when the and when the government and corporate work together, it, there has to be conflict between industry and government mm-hmm. for the people to have freedom. And when the industry realizes that the gravy train is to become involved with the government, and the government real, realizes the same, 
Every single time the people lose and the government and the industry become one, which is the uh, defining factor of fascism. Mm -hmm. And then the next step of communism is when the government owns the industry. And so and what pisses me off is Webster's and a bunch of other places misdefine socialism to be communism so that we think we don't live in a socialist society. But check the freaking blocks, man. Socialism can't be communism. Communism is beyond fascism. It has to be the step before it, as outlined by Hitler and Marx himself. So how are we defining it like this? Well, because government and corporates working together for a, a, a unified agenda because the easiest gravy train for them to make money is to be together against the people, and boom, you have a nation of livestock that exist to fund that entity. And when they start getting wise, you look right after 1938, when people should have been uprising over the NFA and everything else, what happened? Boom, World War I. The World, next, War II. World War II. The next time everybody starts getting pissed off about something... Boom, Korea, Vietnam. It happens like clockwork. Same with World War One. Every single time where the people start realizing that they're getting the short end of the stick, well, our men go off and die. Mm -hmm. We don't have the mass casualties anymore, though. War has, has changed. The amount of people we lost through these past two wars doesn't even compare to Vietnam or Korea or God knows World War Two. So, but now they can neutralize veterans without killing them. They can say, hey, look, I was told that I had PTSD for seeing combat and stuff. Mm -hmm. I do not. And if I had PTSD or any other kind of psychological problem, even if I needed help, it's the last freaking place I would tell would be the VA. But they told me, you have PTSD. Okay. No, I don't. Why would you deny VA? Because the first thing that they want to do is take your gun rights and send you to a psychiatrist and put you into a group of people that are mentally unstable. No. Absolutely not. Oh, yeah, dude. I am a veteran. Right. I have, I have VA. I have oh, PTSD. I, I, use, I use the VA, too. Now... But they're not, but taking, I'm not, they're not taking my guns. Well... They're not putting me in a, a psych ward. So... Now there are different levels of PTSD that you can be that you can have because when I was in, dude had PTSD. MPs told him he couldn't have any of his guns. Yeah, while he's in. So, but they can do that because remember what you talked about earlier with the in, one thing that everybody has in common, though. What's right. the one thing that all the of drugs? These, yeah, that's fine. So now they've looped you but into that I'm, same. What I'm telling you is, while you're in, they fucking own you. Yeah, they do. Literally. They can do anything they want to you because you sign on the line right. on 40 different pages that says, I give myself to you. Right. Once you're done, that contract's over. But... They can no longer treat you that way. Look at... And the VA is not the United States military. Right. But look at what the medical system is... Look at what... Uh, not the medical... The media is doing for these mass shootings. They make it blatantly obvious... Time for year after year after year, mental health issue, mental health issue, mental health issue. They're getting they're, that's not the narrative they want to push. The narrative that they that's want to push. That's not the narrative that they want you to think they want you to push. I don't think they're they're pushing the mental health part of it. They're, they don't push that enough. They're pushing gun rights, gun laws, gun suppression. It's really what they want. 
That's their agenda. I think that we should take a better look at people that are fucking psychotic. But they want you to think that. This is how science, like, I work with these guys. We need to look at the, the fucking crazy people. Crazy people don't need fucking weapons. But then... They're fucking crazy. You say that, and then you have, if you have PTSD, you're going to end up on the crazy list. No. You will. No. Because that's how all of this works. That's the, why would they, okay, say, tell me I have PTSD. I don't. I wouldn't tell them if I did, right? And I'm blessed to not have PTSD. Yeah. It's bad shit. It is. So they say, you do. You saw combat. You received and you returned small arms fire. You had all of this crap blow up. You have PTSD. No, I don't. They said, you know, you realize we'll pay you for the rest of your life because you'll get a disability rating if you tell us that you have PTSD. Mm-hmm. Did they have my best interest in mind? VA is not. It's a government entity that's not explicitly controlled by the government. It's a, it's a separate system. But where do your medical records go? They end up with your medical records because the information that's on your medical records belongs to the U.S. government. And that's the problem. It, it As soon as you signed the line, you gave that up. You gave all of that up. Right. You, when you got a copy of your medical records when you got out, right? Yeah. You got a copy. A copy. They you, have it. Right. You, you didn't get the fucking original. But nowhere in my medical records does it say anything about mental instability and if i was mentally unstable i would never tell them if i could go private PTSD and have it off of paper is i not would. being mentally unstable it they you've seen the punisher yeah how many times did they drive home mental instability and mental issues through ptsd for combat veterans in that show that's that one show that was on netflix but that it doesn't mean that that's what the, the VA didn't do that show. No, but why is it in the it narrative? Was on Netflix. We're talking about a government entity that is controlling what is perceived by the average person. And if you have PTSD as a soldier, it is being pushed that you are mentally unstable across like NCIS, across every show, you have some crazy PTSD murderer who it's not really his fault. Yeah, but, but how many of the fucking mass murders are actually by veterans? Right. Well, logically, you could say that. But what if you ask Jim Bob down the road? Like, we were talking about um, how we are going to talk about firearms or strongman training mm-hmm. to the average person because we have to talk about it differently. Well, these people I've got at work, if you tell them that you have PTSD, what's the first picture that's painted in your head from that? What they see on TV and what they get from the media. And you are higher on the terrorist watch list of the DOJ than an Islamic terrorist. Definitely not. You are. The, it's not. It's the not, list is no. is published. I'm not on the fucking list. Your name isn't on the list, but anti-government white males are that's, higher on the list. That's only like 70% of the country. It I should mean, be. I'm just saying. But, like, we could pull up the DOJ list, and there's different categories ranked at different... Uh, degrees for homeland security of who is the greatest but risk to the everybody federal government. is on that list no every demographic is on that list because they have to be inclusive to every demographic no yeah. no it's a top 10 list but to get a top 10 you have to have a full complete list okay but being on a top 10 isn't inclusive it's a top 10 yeah but if it if you're on a top 10 then that means there's a longer list yeah to be the top 10 that means there's more 
right? Not just 10. Well, of course there is because there's how many segments of the population are a threat to uh, some government entity and some all of them. If you if you said if you said Islamic terrorist, that could be categorized as 100, 150, 200, 300 different factions of people who consider themselves to be uh, Muslim. They may or may not be Arab. You know, uh, they have different uh, goals, missions, agendas. Mm -hmm. They all have to be categorized. Right. So, of course, you're, you, you know, the government, when, you, when you're looking, it's kind of like, it's kind of like freaking drugs in Edmondson County. Mm -hmm. uh, people aren't selling meth that they made in a van anymore. That is 30% pure and looks like clumpy old cocaine mm -hmm. because it's not worth it because, you know, they went from using stealing all of the supplies. They didn't have any of the raw materials they had to refine, uh, and they could be blowing themselves up, blowing their house up. Mm -hmm. uh, they went from big bottles down to Coke bottles. Well, now that all of our marijuana is coming from Colorado and the cartels can't sell weed anymore, they sell crystal meth and you can buy 100% pure meth for, for a third or a quarter the cost of that old crappy stuff. Yeah. So nobody's going to do it anymore. Okay, so now you have your, your entire system has changed. You have all of these different levels like... You're, you're looking at, at a scheme of, of drug trafficking, right, and where it's coming from and where it's going. The whole thing changes one day to the next, and yet you've still got 100 things going in every different direction. But you've got your kingpins that are, you know, you could probably look at three sources that are 90% of your problem in three sources out of 500. Yeah. And so... You know, you ask the average person who's the greatest threat to the American people, they're probably going to say terrorists. And when they say terrorists, they're going to be thinking of ISIS. Yeah, they think Something. of uh, international terrorists. But domestic terrorists is really our, our But the DOJ doesn't look at it that way. And maybe, maybe to some degree for good reason, but... The reason that I said that I wouldn't tell them if I had any mental issues is I don't want to be on a government list for any kind of... Here's the other, the other side of it. The reason why, when you do a background check, it doesn't matter if you've had any kind of mental illness, because HIPAA. HIPAA is a law that protects rights of any and all patients. It cannot be released. It can't. Unless you release it yourself, it cannot be released. So any status you have with the VA cannot be released to another agency. If so, that is a billion-dollar lawsuit just waiting. They won't do it. They can't. It would shut the VA down. That's why they can't do it. But they just had this doctor who's killed 21-plus people, and he's just been um, convicted of killing three through gross negligence who the VA knew about and knew was a problem and did nothing until they got sued, he got to kill all of these people mm -hmm. through gross negligence because they don't want to do anything. Like, we're talking about the government protecting our rights. The last mm -hmm. 
entity that I trust to protect my rights is the government. That's the thing. Um, some of it you just have to fucking deal with. The food you get. It's regulated by the FDA. Yeah, they suck. Well, it's the food you get. What else you got? I know you got goats. Can't eat goats forever. Gotta go get food. Yeah. It's society. And luckily so at this point... So you have to put some trust into society. You, you have to. Into and society, it, but not into the government. The government regulates everything in society. But I still have a lot of choices. Now, yeah. those choices are being narrowed every day. So I... I had a choice to admit that I had a problem with the VA. Right. And they had a choice to give me money or not. Well, I chose to tell them. They chose to give me money. And I'm not telling you that you're wrong. I'm telling you that I don't... If I had a problem, which I do not, that I personally wouldn't trust them to tell them. And, like you said, I had the freedom to make that choice. You Thank do. the Lord, because they could have said... But that's a benefit that you're denying yourself. Yes, they could have said, you have PTSD. And when I said, no, I don't, they could have been like, yeah, he does. So luckily... No, no they're not going to force money on you. They're not going to do that. Well, what, I, what I'm saying is that the right of denial could be taken away. I'm glad that I was able to deny it. Mm -hmm. um, but no, the last, the last entity... Mental health illness, they want us to talk about, and this is how PSYOPs works, is if I tell you, doggone, um, that something's going wrong for some stupid reason. Your goats are sick because they've been out in the sun too long. My goats are sick because you're poisoning my freaking water. Okay, the government knew your response, knew what they said was asinine, and they got you to the result that they wanted you to. And that is literally how propaganda and psyops works in these countries. I saw it firsthand. So you look at our media, you can't take it for face value. You have to look at it and think about it for a while because what are they wanting me to think about right now? Mental health illness is way too high on that list. If they want you to be afraid of it, and if they want you to regulate it based on firearms, it's another way for them, you know, they, they can't confiscate firearms unless people are afraid of them. Mm -hmm. I don't see it getting to that point. I don't think the government can ever come and take our guns away. They don't have to, though, because once again, with the education system, kids don't even, you know, every every generation... There's less people that care. They can do that all they want, but you have a kid, teach him right. I have a kid, and teach him right. That's what we all have to do as citizens. Now, if if our children grow up in this system, and that's the way that they are, then that's the way that they are. They're going to be light. We talked earlier about caring what our neighbor does. I'm going to stop giving a fuck what my neighbor does. I care about what I do and my family. And that's the answer. And that's Inside the answer of my house, thing. I'm an ultimate socialist inside of my house because I provide everything for all the people there and we all share equally in all the responsibility and in all the goods. Right. But the farther away from my family that I get, the more of a capitalist I become right. and become about me. Right. I don't care about y'all. I care about me. So with that, it, it's, it's, a, it's a strange line that we have to walk within the, the people that we deal with. Within your home, you care about all the people in your home. Outside of that, your care gets less and less. Oh, definitely. So, I feel like this is a good place to kind of, kind of bring it 
to a halt because um, I feel like we're going to end this on a really positive note. Absolutely. Of love your neighbor, but don't tell him what the fuck to do. And that's and that's what it all comes down to. And like you said, take responsibility for your family. Mm-hmm. And so if I don't agree with all the stuff that's going on, well, my wife and I are going to raise our kids and we're going to do as much to be self-sufficient as we can. And we take responsibility for everything having to do with our family. Mm-hmm. And when they tell us that we can no longer educate our children, we're going to flip them the bird. And educate your kids. And educate our kids. And whatever is going to happen is going to happen. We'll see at that point. Because luckily we live in Kentucky. But the, 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 the fight against this is taking responsibility and accountability. And everybody's going to want you to not think you don't have to do that, but at the end of the day, you can't give up your responsibility or your accountability. You can give, delegate the task, not the responsibility. Ultimately, you will be the one that suffers for it and your family if you choose to act like it's not yours. Absolutely. Well, man, thank you for being here. Um, well, it's your house, so yeah, of course you're here. <laughs> so thank you for letting me come into your home, man, and hanging out with you and enjoying this delicious lemonade and you uh, you know, having a little bourbon with me. It's been a good it, talk, man. man. Um, Hopefully that suit's not burning you up too bad. Oh, I'm on fire. uh, Ultimately, man, be good or be good at it. Absolutely.